0: The 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, proud supporter of the Illini on campus since 2006. DP Doe is locally owned and they employ staff that truly cares about their customers, always going out of their way to make sure that every customer walks away happy and full. Stop and try a hotbox, which beginning tomorrow or whenever you're listening to this, January 1st, 2020, will be much tastier in the state of Illinois. That's a calzone, choice of side and a drink. Eh, Well, something extra if you wish. Order direct online at dpdo.com for their best deals and prices. Also brought to you by State Farm agent Brian Hanson, your local choice for insurance. Their team made up of four local products, all born and raised in Champaign-Urbana. That's Tammy, Kennedy, Molly, and Brian. Their office is located at 408 North Ray Street, Suite A in Urbana, but they service all of Champaign County and East Central Illinois for your auto, home, renters, business, and life insurance needs. Their number is 344-1900. That's 217-344-1900. Or visit online at brianismyguy.com. And finally, fourth and Kirby. Vintage-inspired Alani apparel that's available not only online at fourthandcurby.com but also at the Alani Union Bookstore. They've launched in 2017, but the roots go back a decade before that when two of their partners met courtside at Alani basketball game. And collectively, they have 35 years of professional design experience. Their goal is simple, to bring vintage-inspired, high-quality, well-designed U of I apparel to a market sorely lacking it. So again, fourthandcurby.com or at the Illini Union Bookstore on campus. Also got to give thanks to Alani Inquirer, that's Jeremy Warner, and all the guys over there. Isaac Trotter wrapping up a great run at Illinois.247 Sports, so uh, congrats to him and good luck to Isaac wherever he goes. He's going to have a lot of success. And to Champagne Showers Podcast Network, which you can follow them on Twitter, at 217 Showers. This is a bittersweet episode that we're about to do here simply called Fade to Black for two reasons. One, we are wrapping up this puppy that is the Illini football season. We're fading to black until we get things going again with spring ball and then, of course, into 2020 for Lovey Smith and the program. But most importantly, this is the last episode that we will be doing with Harry Black as he goes on to bigger and better things, moving out of Connecticut to join the staff at ESPN. We're going to miss Harry, but there's no better way to end his run here on the 200 level and really with Illini media in general than to wrap up the 2019 Illini football season. So let's do it. It is the 200 level. It is the 200 level, my carpenter from the basement for episode 54 Fade to Black, a bittersweet episode if there ever was one. The last one that I will do with Harry Black. Trevor Valise is on assignment actually really just visiting family out in California. He was at the Redbox Bowl, and we might even try an interview kind of thing with him in the segment that Harry and I do coming up. But uh, for this opening segment, of course, we are putting a bow on this 2019 Illini football season, and we started the relaunch of the 200 level, titling episode 36, I believe it was back then, A Most Consequential Year, and it was. It was a consequential year for both revenue sports, and we're still kind of in the middle of that story with Alani basketball. But with Alani football, what a year it was. Now, magical, we already kind of covered that about a month ago when Josh Whitman had a letter, or was it a letter or a tweet? I forget. Maybe just a tweet out to fans after the Alani banquet calling it a magical season. Now, certainly, we would all agree that there were magical moments in this season. But as I was talking with Casey Boguslaw on Twitter last night, he asked, you know, what, what would you grade this 2019 season? We had a good discussion about that. But the biggest thing for me, whether it be the Indiana Tyler Griffey shot back in 2012, or I'm trying to think of other individual moments in Lani sports here. Um, 2014, going up to Northwestern and Riley O'Toole leading you to victory. Or in the case of this year, the Wisconsin and the Michigan State games. These are moments that will stay with you no matter what, but really their importance is going to be measured on by what happens next. What comes of it, if anything? So, this 2019 season, the grade that I would give it right now would probably be a B minus for Alani football. Casey had asked what I would give it for Alani revenue sports in 2019, and that grade would have been lower because he had the most losses in Alani basketball history. But with Alani football in particular, probably a B minus. And you might say, well, why the minus? Why, why are you just being cynical for the sake of being cynical, which is another discussion we'll have later? No. Um, if you look at this team, Six wins was kind of the measuring stick. If you get to that, then technically it was mission accomplished. And they got to it. They got to it in 10 games. But that's kind of the good news, bad news, is that once you got to six and four, you didn't win again. This team has not won now for a month and a half. So the feeling of what it's like to wake up the day after an Illini football game and be able to kind of revel in that victory, that's long gone. And unfortunately, in two of those games, California and Northwestern, You lost in a manner which kind of led you to think, wait a second, is this Lovey Smith defense going to work long term? Which had been the question from the outset, the question at the start of the year, the question in the middle of the year, and now the question at the end of it, we're still stuck on it. Does this cover two base scheme work in college football? It did to an extent this year. They did improve. But the key, of course, was all the takeaways. And as a Bears fan, I can attest to this. Lovie Smith's Bear teams that got a lot of takeaways tended to make the playoffs, three of them, in seven years. A more recent example for the Bears, last year a ton of takeaways, they go 12-4, and four. this year the takeaways go away, and they go 8-8. Eight and eight. And I know they had plenty of other issues as well, but long story short, takeaways mask a lot of other issues. And on this defense, when you do not have takeaways, you find that they are pedestrian at best. And in fact, for long stretches of that game against California, and really the entirety against Northwestern, you looked bad. We'll talk about injuries in a bit. I get it. There is context to put with this where you did not have all your guys on the two deep. But in year four, you would like to have more depth in the first place. This all kind of unravels into systemic issues of Lovie Smith as the coach, which if you're asking yourself, do you feel better going into 2020 with Lovie Smith than you did 10 years ago going into you know 2010 with Ron Zook? That's kind of the question to ask yourself: Do you really feel any sense of momentum or forward progress? And there's a lot of boxes that we need to check, or see if we can check, to answer that question. But first, for the bowl game. First off, it was nice to have a bowl game to watch. Right, Monday, three o'clock. I know some people took off work early. As a teacher, I'm just smack dab in the middle of a 16, 17 day break, so I'm I'm chilling. And we went over to my parents' house, and we had all the neighborhood crew over that I've I've grown up with, basically surrogate aunts and uncles, and watching this game. I had fun for about a quarter and a half because Illinois actually looked, well, pretty good on offense. There was a great seven-minute drive that ended in that touchdown to the kind of slip screen there by Daniel Barker. Great play call by Rod Smith, who had some good ones in this game. And the offense was moving the ball and getting creative with the run, mixing it up a bit. Brandon Peters was making things happen with his legs. He was making some throws, even though he was also making some overthrows. One of them proved very costly. But the game turned on one of those overthrows, to Casey Washington, this is probably about six minutes to go in the first half, you end up having to punt it away, and you pin California down at their own three-yard line. Okay, great. You get them into, I think, a third and ten from their own three. And I even said to the people watching the game, okay, if you can't stop them on a third and ten from their own three, we got a problem. Sure enough, they convert. There was another third and long that they converted later in the drive. And it felt like kind of an old Ron Turner 2003-2004 defense. Every time you got them into third and passing situations, they converted on cue. And there were two reasons why this was the case. For one, you weren't getting to the quarterback. Garbers had all day back there, and he is a pretty good quarterback. I got to give him credit. He made a lot of throws in this game. But it's easy to make those throws when you don't have anyone breathing down your neck. He didn't for the most part. Apart from, oddly enough, the first series where Illinois did get a quarterback sack. Other than that, not much disruption. Then you have a secondary that unfortunately looked every bit like the Lovey-Smith secondaries of the last four years. Safeties that are too late to get over to the seam route in the middle or the sideline route. Most of these 15, 17-yard passes with no problem. We saw Iowa carve Illinois up only when they decided to attack the middle of the field or the sidelines, right? That was when they really finally opened up that game against Illinois. Well, California saw the tape on that, apparently, because they were doing that at will. And even at the start of the second half, as if to say, you guys are trash. California just kept challenging our defensive backs with mixed results for a little bit. But ultimately, they made enough big plays. Illinois, on the other hand, what were the big plays they made? You know, there was a little bit of a, a surge there in the fourth quarter where Illinois was forced into passing it. And, and kind of abandoning the run. Where Brandon Peters was making plays down the field, though, is that a product of California kind of sagging back and just making sure that you didn't score a bunch of touchdowns in succession? I'm not sure. But California got those big plays. And you kept waiting for the takeaway, right? I kept thinking, maybe I can think this takeaway into existence by saying, all right, this would be a great possession for a takeaway. And they never came. The one that probably should have came was a play that was not reviewed where it looked like Garbers fumbled it. He did not come forward with the ball, and then Illinois fell on it. But instead, they call it an incomplete pass. They don't review it. They come back from commercial, and Dean Blandino says, yeah, that was probably a fumble. Well, isn't that nice? Speaking of the officiating, it was terrible. Let's not mince words. It was a terrible officiating crew that continued to get calls incorrect. The targeting, to me, was the most egregious. They had the ability to review that play and see clearly that Milo Eifler or Milo, which one is it? Hit him right in the shoulder. Shoulder to shoulder. And Milo, Milo, he's looking at the ref, kind of shrugging, saying, listen, I got him on the shoulder. He was saying that before the review. Now, before we even took a look at that review, I thought, oh my gosh, the same thing as the Michigan State game. where early in that game. He got kicked out for a targeting, though that one was, what was it, the kind of punch that wasn't? Yes, I know he threw a close fist. He probably should have been ejected. But anyway, uh, I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe we get a break here when I started looking at this review and seeing that there really wasn't anything in there. In fact, it was a great football hit. And then not only do they say play stands, they confirm it. What is the point of replay if something is directly in front of you, evidence that says this is what happened? and you still get it wrong. What is the point of it? I'm not an advocate for getting rid of replay. I am an advocate for holding these officials accountable for just making boneheaded mistakes and telling me that it's one thing when clearly, I can see with my own eyes, it's another. That is something to be pissed off about. A guy is now going to miss the first half of next year's first game because one official, looking into a TV monitor, was unable to tell the difference between someone's head and someone's shoulder. This is pretty simple. And yet these guys continue to get it wrong. And even in the biggest of games, Ohio State and Clemson being the big one over last weekend, two calls that, trust me, the world's smallest violin is playing for all the Buckeyes fans right now. But even as someone who is not an Ohio State fan by any measure, I felt bad for them for the fact that there were two calls that were majorly consequential in that game. Clemson goes on to win. Yeah, Ohio State could have made a play here or play there, but these calls matter. These calls do affect games. Now, does Illinois win if that targeting call is reversed? Nah, probably not. But let's think about the individual here. You're taking away another half of football. You're taking away one half of a bowl game and one half of the next season's opener because you can't look into a video monitor until the difference between a helmet and a shoulder. Pathetic. Then, of course, there's the Peters dive, which this, to me, is one where you just had to kind of lean back in your chair and laugh. Now, there is something tricky about this rule, and I would need to look it up to get the bylaw correct, down to the word, right? Apparently, it is when the ball crosses the sideline, just like it is when you punt it, right? And if it's a punt that sails into the sideline, the ref has to judge where it crossed that plane, Okay, I get that. So if Brandon Peters had had it in his left hand instead of his right hand, he probably gets that first down. But nonetheless, you know, you just want to break, especially on a play where Brandon Peters made a Herculean effort to get that first down. It is a play that if Illinois had gone on to win that game, let's say they convert the first down, he leads this improbable comeback. We're looking back at that as a signature Alani moment. I don't think that's hyperbole. It was that awesome of a play. And kudos to Brandon Peters, because if you were on the fence about him, you aren't now. He's your quarterback next year. And that sends such a strong message, I think, to not only the guys on the sideline, but if you're a fan, you're like, okay, well, this guy plays his ass off. And he did yesterday, Uh, none more so in that fourth and 17, which that was a play that had a lot of luck for this Alani team. Go back to the Michigan State game. Joshua Madderbebe, 4th and 17, no problem. Conversion. And what a way that would have been to convert that 4th and 17, if only to increase the amount of time that we could be interested in this bowl game. Didn't happen. They didn't overturn it. They stood by their initial ruling. But that, that was one where I would need, again, to look at the rules and see, okay, is it when the ball crosses the plane? For some reason, I thought it was... You know, Wherever the ball landed, we we see guys often will reach out with that ball as they're stepping outside or out of bounds and get it right over the marker, first down. I thought that it looked like that initially. Maybe it wasn't, but you would have liked to get the benefit of the doubt with such an effort like that. Terrible officiating, I get it. I'm not going to dispute that, but I'm also not going to say that's why Illinois lost the game. It simply was not. Two things can coexist. The officiating can be bad, and Illinois could be bad too. And unfortunately, that's my big takeaway from yesterday. Amidst the zero takeaways that Illinois got themselves, this is not a very good football team yet. Six and seven is your final record. There are the injuries to talk about, which certainly that's a problem. But in year four, my bigger concern with people using the injury card, which has some validity to it, okay, make no mistake, the injuries did play a role in this team's kind of faltering down the stretch. It is year four of Lovey Smith at Illinois. And you're telling me essentially that we cannot withstand some key injuries. And yeah, a lot of teams couldn't. I get that. But there is a lack of depth on this team that is the direct result of Lovey and company not being able to recruit at a high enough level. Year four, guys. Year two or three, I might grant you that a little bit more. But the bigger concern I have is when you are missing some of these key guys, you don't have anyone to put in there instead. Got to give kudos to Casey Washington and Donnie Navarro for playing really well out there and and kind of you know masking the absence of a joshamatter Bebe, who i'm sure would have had a couple big plays in him but again enough to win i don't know because the injuries certainly were a concern the lack of depth is a bigger concern for me but even more than that is the general sloppiness and messiness of this team after a month off you get all this time to prepare for the bowl game And you make boneheaded mistakes time and time again. The penalties, another bugaboo for this entire season. And they rear their head in the bowl game. The worst one was a delay of game. You had a fourth and short. And you were in that sort of area where you weren't going to punt it. Well, then all of a sudden you get a delay of game. You move back to, I think, a fourth and 15. Actually, it wasn't even a fourth and short. It was a fourth and 10 from, let's say, the California 38 or thirty-six prime spot to go for it well then five yards back all of a sudden you're in the cal 41 or 42 and you punt it all because you didn't get the play in in time there was another time where you had a delay of game i think after a timeout inexcusable is that brandon peter's fault is that rod smith not getting the play down whoever's fault it is this should not be happening in game 13 of any season for any team but it's happening to this team so with general sloppiness that is just very frustrating um everyone looked a step slow you know back to this idea of a lack of depth How good are these guys that Levy has? Certainly, there are individuals out there that make a huge difference that he has accrued over the years, and some of them being the grad transfers. Brandon Peters was probably the best guy out there yesterday for Illinois, and he's going to be the best guy out there for Illinois in a few games next year, too, hopefully more than just a few. But after that, when you kind of start going further and further back in the death chart, you're seeing guys that just don't look all that great. And they lack speed and they're a step slow. The big one for me, and, and Tolson had done a pretty good job all year, but there was a fourth and one for Cal. And I think this is at the end of the first half, where it's a simple screen where the, the running back kind of slips out of the backfield. And Tolson read it, but he read it a second too late. And, and for a second, I thought, man, he's going to catch him. Ah, oh, no, he's not because he just missed it by that much. And to me, that's a sign of a team that, you know, it's just not quite there yet. It's not quite there yet. And okay, what did we expect coming into this year? Did we expect everything to go smoothly and for this team to come out and win eight games? Of course we didn't. Did they accomplish their mission of making a bowl game? They absolutely did. But now that we're 13 games into this and we can kind of wrap this thing up and look at 2019, what does it all mean? And what does it mean going forward, most importantly, into 2020? As I looked at 2020, the big thing for me is going to be takeaways. As I mentioned earlier, The Bears this year were a great example of a team that when you take the takeaways away, they're fairly mediocre. Well, this Illinois team was already mediocre with the takeaways. They mask so many issues, especially on defense. To Illinois' credit, they got the takeaways, okay? We cannot, excuse the pun, take that away from them. They got them. Credit to Illinois and Levy Smith for having a scheme that tends to create more turnovers than others. That is true. But here's something that Isaac Trotter had posted on Twitter. Illinois was 0-4 this year when they did not have multiple takeaways. So not just one, but multiple. Two or more takeaways, they had a shot. In fact, they were 6-2 and 2 when they had multiple takeaways, and they were 0-4 when they didn't. Or sorry, that would have been 6-3 and 3 with multiple takeaways, 0-4 when they didn't. 6-7 and 7 final record. That's a concern, because how can you sustain that? There is an element of luck with takeaways, and as Harry and I have talked about, along with Trevor, You would prefer to see a defense that gets three and outs more than you would a defense that gets takeaways. Takeaways come and go, and you can go on these crazy streaks like Illinois did in that four-game stretch where they won four in a row where you get those timely plays, but you cannot bank on those. And when those go away, you see a defense that is just susceptible to getting picked apart on long drives, being out there on the field for 35, 40 minutes a game. How sustainable is that? I'm not sure. And that kind of feeds into the offense which yesterday did have a few drives that were longer my favorite drive of the year maybe would have been the seven minute drive in that first quarter or was it the second quarter early second quarter where you ended with that touchdown to Barker out of the slip screen I thought that was a great drive and showed that what this offense can do when it's working is mix that run in the past well Peters ran it great and Rod Smith had a lot of um, I think creative play calling in the first half but whatever rhythm they had going kind of evaporated and the key of course of many keys in this game is that you come back after that field goal to end the first half a little bit of momentum it kind of reminded me of the Michigan State game where you get a late score at the end of the first half and you just keep yourself alive right you know you give yourself some some breathing room and an ability to come out after halftime and immediately respond well they didn't three and out and then you give it right back to California Rod Smith is a concern going forward 12th in total offense this year, about 330 yards a game, higher up in scoring offense at about 26 points per game, but I would need to look and see if that's calculated with defensive touchdowns or not. But the total offense being 12th out of 14 teams in the Big Ten, again, I understand injuries. Ricky Smalling was injured early. Mike Epstein was not a factor this year. Stampley, a wide receiver. Okay, fine. You got injuries throughout, but really the offensive line up until the Kramer injury was healthy. Josh Amaterbebe missed the last few games. Uh, it did take you a few games to kind of come around to using Josh Amaterbebe as your feature guy, it felt like. Uh, but I'm not really sure what this Rod Smith offense is. You know, I, I don't know what the identity is. They don't tend to have long, sustained drives. That's why the one yesterday against California was a surprise, a pleasant surprise. And they don't really seem to have a lot of explosive plays. This year, they didn't. So what do you have going into next year? You got a quarterback returning? I like that. Anytime you say that you get a quarterback his second year in the system, okay, usually that's a net positive. But the other thing I've seen with coordinators in college football, and really probably pro football as well, there is a short shelf life for these guys for a reason. There's these kind of journeymen that travel here, there, everywhere, and by the end of the day, they have 12 different coordinating stints at different schools. Rod Smith comes in, has immediate success. It looks like a functional offense under A.J. Bush. And last year's 4-8 and team, you know, the one bright spot was, well, we have an offense now that can move the ball if only the defense gets a little bit better. Well, the defense did get a little bit better, but the offense regressed. You're losing your two best playmakers, arguably Andre Dre Brown and Reggie Corbin. You will probably be getting all your wide receivers back, including a healthy Ricky Smalling. And I'm guessing Josh Amater-Bebe, uh would come back for his final year. He is a two-year grad transfer. But I don't know how good I feel about the offense going into 2020. The defense, while it did improve, it still finished 11th in the Big Ten in total defense, about 410 yards a game given up. And they finished 10th in scoring defense, about 26 points per game given up. And that's with the most takeaways. So what happens if those takeaways aren't there? They could be. I mean, this could be a silly argument on on my part. They come out next year and Lovey Smith's defense leads the Big Ten in takeaways yet again. How often does that happen, though? How often does that happen? And do you feel like you have enough playmakers on the defensive side of the ball to keep that pace up? If they do, you will have seven or eight wins next year. I don't think that's a bold proclamation given the schedule. If you have the same number of takeaways with a returning starting quarterback on offense and uh, you get some defensive touchdowns and you create those breaks for yourself, I would anticipate a better 2020. But I can't do that. Right? I cannot bank on that. Yes, you have a favorable schedule. Okay. Um, but I've done I played that game before I've done the whole thing where we kind of look at a schedule and we play dare to dream and it's for fun and we've done it on you know the radio show we've done the podcast before but until I see it in action I can't bank on anything we saw it with Eastern Michigan this year games that we circle as wins can become losses I mean it's Illinois football okay we cannot bank on anything but the biggest questions I have as we exit 2019 and enter 2020 You know, we called this a most consequential year at the start of the relaunch of the 200 level. And really for 2020, I think it's the most consequential year for Lovey Smith. I like the fact that we are sort of setting expectations as seven or eight wins. You need to improve on your win total. We can't have a regression. And really, I'm not seeing a lot of people say that even six and six would be good enough. You need to improve because of that favorable schedule and because of all the returning guys. And also because you know that in 2021, with all the guys that you're losing after this upcoming season, you're in trouble. But is there any sense of momentum? You know, if if we were to kind of gauge the pulse of this fan base right now, is there any true sense of momentum entering 2020? Are season ticket sales going to go up? I doubt it. Will recruiting, which right now in 24 7 Sports is last in the Big Ten, improve. This is coming off of a bowl appearance and that four game streak with a bye week following that. You clearly were not able to capitalize on it. We'll see with the second signing period if they do. But unfortunately, there is no momentum on the recruiting trail either. You are not paying this guy $3.5 million to go out and bring in bottom of the barrel Big Ten recruiting classes. That's what he's doing right now. And do you trust this defensive scheme? I don't. I don't. If the takeaways aren't there, what, what are you left with? You're left with what you saw yesterday. Someone had tweeted this out, and I wish I could uh, attribute it. Maybe it was the Bob Zupke Twitter account, or maybe it was uh, Jeff Johnson. But essentially, Illinois finds themselves time and time again in these situations where they need to play a perfect game. There was no margin for error. And I felt that through the entire Cal game. Had to play a perfect game, right? Well, that is a sign that you haven't arrived, right? That, that's a sign that uh, while you may have improved, given your very meager expectations... As a football program, you are not at the level of a a solid football program. Lovey had a comment, which I don't know if it's taken out of context or not, but um, we didn't address it on the last 200 level. But in a Sun-Times article, essentially was saying that we've caught up with Wisconsin, which is just an absolutely asinine idea out of context or not. We're not even close. We beat them that one time out of 20. Right. Everything went right in that game. Back to this idea of a margin of error. This team has none of it. They need to essentially play a perfect game, and the other team needs to make mistakes. I want to get out of that. I want to get out of this rather exhausting way of watching games where you feel like every bounce needs to go your way, and then you might have a chance to beat a good team. The Michigan State game, listen, that was a mix of Michigan State kind of you know peeing down their legs and you taking advantage of that. And to this team's credit, and this goes uh, with, without saying, I feel like, but I should probably say it so I don't sound too negative, right? They were resilient. You know, this team, especially the seniors and the juniors on this team that have seen a bunch of bad football, despite their best efforts, they at least got to taste the fruits of success. They got to go to a bowl game in California and kudos to them. They deserve that. They earned that. And one thing that I had to clarify on Twitter yesterday with somebody when I said that Illinois kind of sucked yesterday, they kind of sucked against Cal. I think we would agree with that. Injuries or not, whatever kind of you know side narratives you want to throw in there, Illinois did not look good for large chunks of that game. I'm not talking about 18 to 22-year-olds. Man, you guys suck. Or in the Simpsons quote, you're the suckiest bunch of sucks who ever sucked. No, I am talking about a coaching staff now entering year five that needs to put these guys in positions to succeed. On defense, all too often, the safeties are left in no man's land. The cornerbacks are having to cover people for five to six seconds. I don't care who you are. You are not going to be able to keep a guy in front of you for five to six seconds if the defensive line can not create pressure. It's all these things, right? This is systemic. So as you enter 2020, again, is there momentum? Is there progress? Do you feel really good about where Illinois football is? You might. And there are little indicators that may suggest that 2020 could be a successful year, To me, that successful year needs to be seven or eight wins. And it also needs to mean less quarters of football that I watch and see bad, right? There was a lot of quarters this year. And we'd have to add them up maybe. I don't know how we do that. Maybe tally marks. Of all the quarters that we watched this year, how many of them were good? How many of them were bad? The next step after getting those six wins in pretty crazy fashion, I think we'd all agree, is finding wins with relative consistency, Maybe not ease, because I know the talent discrepancy isn't going to be that big between Illinois and the other teams they play next year. Uh, but you do want more consistency. You want to feel like this is what we're good at, and we do this more often than not. I never got that sense of this team, and it was always on edge because I felt that they could revert, that they could regress. You were 6-4 and four after the Michigan State game. You lost your last three. We need to acknowledge that that is an unfortunate ending and it puts a bit of a bad taste in our mouths. And that the tailgate lots next year for the Illinois State game are not going to be as a buzz than if you had beaten Cal or if you had won Northwestern and Cal or even for that matter if you had just beaten Northwestern and entered this Redbox Bowl seven and five, and then we look at yesterday and we can kind of say, well, okay, you know, it's one game, but you still had a losing record. We've not had a winning record since 2011. What a decade, huh? I mean, just it, it's unbelievable that I look back at this decade. When I really kind of started broadcasting in earnest over at 935 and now doing this podcast. And anyone that says, Well, Carp, you know, you're negative. Well, what the hell do you want me to- one winning season in this decade, or two if you want to count 2010, right? I don't know how was it, 2010 to 2019. So two, at the very beginning of this decade. And since then, the two best seasons you had were 2015 when you went five and seven, and this year when you went six and seven. So yeah. A little bit frustrating, to say the least. I had a conversation with a friend yesterday, and he is a townie like myself. He lives up in Chicago now. Went to the U of I together, went to Illini basketball games and Illini football games together. We'd pregame and tailgate together. I mean, we are, this is a great friend. He was in my wedding, all of that. And as I was kind of making some observations on the general sloppiness of that game yesterday, he said, man, Mikey, you need to just kind of chill out and enjoy the fact we're in a bowl game. And I said, I I am, I I am. (laughs) But at the same time, in order to do a show like this or in order to go on the radio or whatever it may be, you need to be looking at it more than just, oh, yay. And and certainly there are some personalities and unfortunately some of them higher places for Illinois coverage that are just sort of, "Eh, you know, Pollyanna, whatever. This is nice, this is fun. And they tend to overlook some of the yellow flags that continually pop up that say, well, hold on a second. Yeah, we're excited that we're at the bowl game. That goes without saying. I shouldn't have to come on here and say, I'm happy we're in a bowl game. Why wouldn't I be? I'm an Illini fan. But on the other hand, uh, we need to look at, okay, well, what does it all mean? And this has been my, um, I don't know, a macro guy. I I think I would definitely acknowledge that. I'm a macro guy because I look at these things and think, okay, well, what does it ultimately mean? Um, So to this conversation that we were having, I was telling my friend that, okay, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at next season, I'm looking at the recruiting classes and everything, and I'm questioning whether or not I should truly be excited about the future of alumni football. And because I cannot come up with a good answer as to whether I should or should not be, I'm concerned, right? I, I should at this point be able to say, you know what, after year four, we're trending upward and I'm feeling really good about things. The comparison I made to him, though, to my friend during this conversation about, okay, am I just being negative or cynical for the sake of being negative or cynical? I said, no, I'm not. And I would be self-aware enough to say, you know what, you're right. I'm watching this and I'm just kind of being a Debbie Downer. I I would like to think I'm self-aware enough to do that. But I gave him this comparison, okay? If your favorite band, because we're both really into music, my friend and I, if your favorite band released a string of really crappy albums, and then you couple that with their live show, You know, you go see them live and pretty soon the quality of those live shows is tapering off. What would happen to your fandom for that band? Similarly, for sports, if you spend a decade watching a subpar product, what's going to happen to your overall outlook of what's in front of you? There is no doubt that our attitudes about Illinois sports have been influenced by what we've observed in the past. So there are things with Illinois football that we look at, like third and longs or not necessarily Lovey Smith's bugaboo, but I've seen it time and time again where all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, it's Illinois football, here we go. But I still try to compartmentalize. I still try to look at this as Lovey Smith in four years has done this, and what is he going to do going forward? But again, uh, it it was a different kind of game-watching experience because the game ends, and sort of like with the bragging rights, even though I had some frustration as I watched it, I just kind of got up, grabbed my coat, and drove home, and that was that. And I moved on. Watch Empire Strikes Back last night. It was a lot of fun. And did not even really think about the bowl game for the rest of the evening. That was it. Now, it could be a couple things. I'm getting older, passage of time, I'm less angry with watching sports. Okay, and that's a positive. Because it used to be a situation where I'd break remote controls, put a hole in the wall because things weren't going well. Illinois, Arizona, 2005, go down 15. Let's just say a starch can had a little bit of a meeting with some drywall. And then the next day, I had to drywall that patch right up. Uh, so I'm glad that I'm not doing that anymore but i wish that there was more of a fire kind of burning and this has gotten to the point where my dad and i have talked and this my dad has been going to basketball games season tickets since 1978 i believe so maybe year two or three of the henson era we got football tickets back in 1999 2000 sorry after the micron pc game partially because well one illinois football looked to have gotten back to relevancy right And that we had Michigan and Ohio State on the schedule that year. So it was the perfect storm of, well, now let's go to every game. And for the most part, we have in the last 20 years. So it is a weird kind of cap on the last 20 years, beginning with the 2000 season after Micron PC to now entering 2020, where if you were to chart my interest, and let me rephrase, if you were to chart my passion or flame for Illini football, it has deteriorated so much. You know, it's just been chipped away. Oddly enough, there was a, a comment in Josh Whitman's latest letter, which we're going to get to in a second, <laughs> about chipping away at rock right? And that's kind of what this team did. Well, if fandom were Iraq, it's sort of been eroded by this point. You know, eye basketball, same thing, where the North Carolina AT&T game, at and I did it again, North Carolina A&T game, I had it on as background noise. You know, it's just, it's whatever the Michigan state game coming up which we're going to withhold talking about basketball until next week with Trevor and Isaac but you know I'm going to turn it on and hope for the best but if it doesn't happen I'm just flip to something else when it's over and move on so again that that is more than just becoming older and becoming a more mature fan or whatever you want to say that is losing a flame or a passion for it which I haven't lost the flame or passion for talking about it because there's so much you know history in my own life Of enjoying Illinois sports or living and dying with Illinois sports, that I try to bring that on a weekly basis to this show. I'm not losing the passion for that, Uh, but I do wish that I could reignite whatever it is that gets me really pumped up for these games or, or would get me really more ticked off when I see things that I think are, you know, incompetence or when I see things that I don't think are good enough. As time goes on, I feel like a more passive observer than some sort of fire and brimstone podcast host thing. And, uh, I don't know. There's good and bad to both of them. I just noted that yesterday watching the game and wish that I could conjure that back up. But as it sits right now, my dad and I talking about going into next year and not worrying about season tickets, not worrying about re-upping, not worrying about Lot 31, basketball, same thing. And there are more issues that we can talk about with that. Two last things here in the opening segment before we bring Harry on. There was another letter from Josh Whitman. You guys know how fond I am of these letters. And I, I should rephrase because, you know, I, I do feel like I I restate this. And I don't know if it's just simply because I do like Josh Whitman as a person, right? I respect that we have someone in there that is a very smart individual, that is available to fans, that is an alumni himself. All those things check boxes that I'd like to have an athletic director. I don't think that he makes decisions. Any sort of rash decisions, I should say. I think he's very pragmatic and practical about things. The facility upgrades have been great, and it looks like he is a tremendous fundraiser that continues to somehow get these people to put a lot of money into Illinois sports at a time when they aren't doing so well. So that is a sign of a good athletic director. There is this other side, though. Um, And this is where I wonder if him having been an athlete, there's good and bad with that. For one, he can identify with the athlete, which is more than you could probably say for some athletic directors. That's a positive. He is by no means some sort of overly corporate guy. I think he truly does bleed orange and blue, if you want to use a cliche like that, and that he can identify more with the plight, if you want to use a strong word, or the struggles, obstacles that a student athlete faces, all of those positive things. The sort of letters to the fan base. Again, it's outreach. So I shouldn't look at this cynically, but I can't help but let a little cynicism creep in. Uh, the overall message of this letter that Whitman had sent out, I believe on Sunday through findingalani.com. It was when they were out in California and, you know, kudos to anyone that made the trek. I guess they sold 4,000 tickets from the Alani allotment. That doesn't count secondary market and things like that. The overall message of this letter was that Illinois has now reached the starting line. And this is, I think, an okay kind of metaphor to use here, that you have now gotten over the rebuild and now you're at the starting line. Now greater successes can be attained. You did the heavy lifting, essentially is what this letter was arguing. Also, in this letter, the challenge is never to never be satisfied. Okay, agree with that as well. But the concern that I have as we wrap a bow on this decade of Illini sports, are we in any better long-term position With revenue sports than we were in 2010, when this decade started. This might be a bit of an apples and oranges argument because, you know, we're just simply going back 10 years and saying, okay, well that situation versus this situation, a lot of things have happened in those intervening 10 years. I fully acknowledge that, but let's even go back five years ago to 2015, the tail end of the Mike Thomas era, the year where renovated State Farm Center opens up, where Tim Beckman gets fired. You go five and seven in football. John Gross and that team, I think, just missed the tournament by, well, essentially a game. Two years in a row, they missed the tournament by a game. So that's where Illinois basketball was at. That's where Illinois football was at. The long-term position that you're in, I mean, look at the recruiting for football. What is your long-term position? I don't know how good it is. Brad Underwood in Illinois basketball? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually surprised. People are just not feeling the Brad Underwood thing at all. I say people. It's a very general term. But go on Twitter. Go on message boards. It seems like no matter what he says, people are rolling their eyes and they're saying, yeah, whatever, coach. I have not, in my lifetime at least, remembered three years into a coach's tenure, people just being like, whatever, coach. You'd have to go back to Beckman, which from the outset, no one liked Beckman. But from the early stages of Underwood, there was a little brief moment where everyone kind of felt like he was the next Lou Henson, throwback, tough guy, and that, man, if he can recruit, we're going to be good. But it seems like people are just kind of fed up with him. And this is going to be really interesting to follow throughout the rest of this year. If things just kind of hover around 500 in the Big Ten and they're a bubble team at best, which I think is likely what the situation is going to be. The same issues that presented themselves in the Missouri game, and the Miami game, it's not like North Carolina a and answered any of those questions. So I am going to be interested to see progressing forward. The attitudes towards him, the attitudes towards Lovey, which some would say, well, Carp, you're kind of perpetuating those. I've been vocal in my criticism of these hires by Josh Whitman. Um, not Underwood at the start, okay? In hindsight, is twenty twenty. Same with Lovie Smith. Um, I don't think the issue is with Whitman hiring these guys in the first place. What will be the issue going forward is how do you deal with these programs if they stagnate and if they don't reach the level of success that we would like them to reach? One other thing that my friend and I were talking about yesterday is what are your expectations, Mike? Mikey, he calls me. What are your expectations, Mikey, about Illinois sports? I mean, we aren't going to be Ohio State and Michigan. And I said, I get it. Don't need to be. Make NCAA tournaments for basketball. Make bowl games two out of every three years. That's it. And I would be fine with that. <laughs> those are the meager expectations that I'm setting forth. Now, someone could say as well, well, Carp, if you found yourself in that situation, you'd still find things to complain about. You know what? You might be right. You might be right about that. But let's get to those meager expectations first. And then we can recalibrate if we need to. But that, that was an interesting question he would asked me. No, I don't expect us to be Michigan or Ohio State. But let's not forget that Illinois basketball, for a sustained period of time, was every bit as good as Michigan and Ohio State. Or for that matter, Michigan State. Eight, nine-year stretch. Almost a decade's worth of basketball where you were every bit as good as Michigan State. And tell me that it can't be done. When you were better consistently than Wisconsin, even when Wisconsin was on the up and up, and that we can't even be Wisconsin. Come on. We totally can be. We just aren't because of bad hires. And then the hires after those hires haven't been all that good either. So there is a fatigue element. I wish I could give you more like feel good, happy, happy, joy, joy as we enter 2020. The roaring 20s, as some Alani fans would like to dub it. The 80s belong to the Alani. The roaring 20s will belong to the Alani as well. I'd love to see that happen. But it's got to start now. And frankly, it's got to start with Illinois basketball in January and February to make March meaningful in the first place. And then it needs to improve with recruiting for Lovey Smith and then winning seven or eight games with a very favorable schedule next year. Does it happen? Ultimately, I look at next year's Illinois football team, and I'm afraid that we're looking at a five or six win team. If the takeaways are not there, even with that favorable schedule, the Big Ten is not regressing. The Big Ten West is getting better. Minnesota may lose a few guys, and they probably are not going to be as good as this year. But you could probably count on P.J. Fleck winning seven games a year, seven to eight games a year with Minnesota, until he leapfrogs, inevitably, to another job. You look at Scott Frost, and I'm not really sure what Nebraska is going to be, but I could see him at least getting them back to Bo Pelini levels of Nebraska. Iowa, Wisconsin, they are where they are, and you can't beat Northwestern. So thank goodness for Purdue. But you got to think that Jeff Brom will figure out at least a little something so they won't be as bad next year as they were this year. But that's the thing, right? You need to continue to keep up. Recruiting isn't doing that. So now you're really banking on grad transfers again, however sustainable or not sustainable that may be, and everybody on the roster currently taking that next step next year. I hope it happens, right? Because I would like to establish some sort of continuity. However, if we have mixed results next year, you know, five and seven or for that matter, six and six, you are not going to find me on the keep lovey Smith bandwagon. You know, you're going to find me saying, well, wait a second, you've kind of plateaued already. You got a 2021 that doesn't look good. And now is the time we need to go out there and make a change because if this recruiting continues to flounder, you're going to find yourself in a very Turner esque situation. All right, so that is it for Illinois football in 2019. What a year it was. I mean, listen, Wisconsin, Michigan State, those are memories that we will keep forever. Josh Whitman referenced that in his letter. To me, I want those wins to be even more meaningful by following up 2019 with a successful 2020. If they do that, then yeah, we are going to kind of put those games into our memories as, oh yeah, it led to something. I want these moments to lead to something more than just a six and seven season where you lost your last three. We can ask for more, Alani fans. Don't lose sight of that. We can ask for more. All right, 2019, as I wrap a bow on it personally. What a year, right? Uh, Personally, professionally, I mean, we got our dog, January 5th of 2019, so we've had a year with the pup. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm in my second year teaching now, sixth grade riding over at Jefferson. So professionally, it's been a big year for me, dating back to the summer when everything changed over at 93.5. I'm excited to do this podcast here, one last final podcast with Harry Black because in a way Harry and I are from the island of misfit 93.5 broadcasters. We talked about this a little bit last week and Harry, his, his time at 93.5 and how he is someone who never uh, will give you an impression that he likes you if he doesn't like you, right? And that actually feels like I'm not even... Accurately describing Harry. He is honest. He is direct. I've always appreciated that about him. So, when everything kind of wrapped up over the summer, it was no brainer to me to ask Harry and, of course, Trevor to do this podcast with me because of the rapport that we had, the chemistry that we had. Uh, The kinship, though, that Harry and I have, and that I see in him as someone who is, I believe, six or seven years younger than I am, he is one to not wear a poker face, right? Um, There were times at the radio station early on. Where, you know, frustrations with things that he had to do with the job. I would talk to him and be like, well, hey, I can identify. Because I'd been through a lot of those same things early on at the radio station, just like he had. So there is this sense of, I don't know, pride. I don't know if that's the right word or not. With Harry moving on to ESPN and taking that chance. The one thing that he has that few others have is just a remarkable will and work ethic. And if he wants to accomplish something, you can best believe he's going to do that he was invaluable on Tay and Jay and Tay and Carp as we made that transition um, him and Trevor made Tay and Carp a unique show for what it was obviously Lon and I you know we were the co-hosts but at the same time that show was not what it is without that sort of community vibe and Harry was essential to that and he really sort of informed the entire ethos of that show which is no BS We already kind of had that between Lon and myself. Lon's a very agreeable guy. So he's not going to go out there looking for conflict. Um, On the other hand, if I get a text from someone in the text line and they say something, I'm going to address it on the air. Well, to balance that out is Harry who could, on one hand, he's not looking for conflict. On the other, he'd be able to brush off that text. But most importantly, he's still going to talk into the microphone and say exactly what's on his mind without trying to be blatantly hot takey or anything like that. Always appreciate that with Harry on or off the microphone. Uh, that That's something that he is consistent with no matter the situation, no matter the conversation that you're having with him. I'm going to miss those conversations. I know that him and Trevor and myself will continue to keep our group thread alive, whether it be talking about sports or Simpsons episodes or things that we probably can't be talking about on a family-friendly podcast like this. Uh, so I'm going to miss that the most, you know, just like I miss doing the radio show uh, with those three guys, with those two guys and Lon, the four of us. So it's fitting, I guess, The 2019 ends with Harry's last show on the 200 level, and I guess his last show kind of doing Illini-based media. Though we'll try to get Harry on, whether it be phone interviews, things like that. This won't be the last you hear of Harry Black, but it's the last time that he will be a regular member of Illini Sports Media until maybe his triumphant return 10 years later after a great stint at ESPN. Who knows, right? Uh, But what a year. I look back to the summer very vividly, and always will remember the meeting that took place to sort of say, hey, this thing is over, right? You know, you got until July, July 25th, I think was the last show. And for a teacher, summer vacation is already something where you need to figure out what the hell you're going to do for two and a half, three months. For me, it was, you know, wake up, do some stuff around the house, go for a run, um, you know, find projects, maybe watch a movie here and there, go to the radio station in the afternoon. That was sort of what I did. And I noticed that in that month between when I had the meeting with Stevie and then when the show ended, that mentally I was really trying to kind of come to terms with the end of something that it went for 10 years. It's weird as we wrap up this decade that that decade, nine of those years had me on 93.5 and we're ending now with a podcast, um, which I need to get in a second to um, a lot of gratitude that I have for everyone that's made this podcast the success that it has been in these first 16 episodes back. But even at 32 going on 33 years old, right, I turned 33 back in October, there was this weird kind of identity crisis that I had for a month. What am I going to do? You know, I mean, after I am no longer the co-host on the Afternoon Drive alani show, what am I going to do? There's a pride element. You know, you work for something and you work hard at it. You attain a certain level, something that you've dreamt about since you first discovered sports radio existed in the first place. And then you have it taken away from you and you're questioning, well, is it merit-based? Is it something else? A lot of things that I was grappling with internally to try to come to terms with, well, this is it. The biggest of which, though, was that I wasn't going to be able to hang out with those guys, you know, twofold. One, not being able to hang out with them as friends. The other thing was, you know, how can I still be a part of the conversation? And the concern, of course, was that, is anyone gonna care to listen? You know, when you're on a daily show on the radio, it can become a habit. So really, whoever you put in there, there's always going to be a base of listeners that say, I want eye coverage from four to six. I'm going to tune in and listen to that. So it's hard to quantify, well, how much of that was me or how much of that was Lon? How much of that was Harry or Trevor? Or was it just the fact that we were an eye show? And confidence becomes an issue too. You know, there's certain things that I'm very confident with, whether it be, you know, going on stage and playing in front of, you know, 50 or 500 people. That's fine. I can do that and and feel pretty confident doing that. Part of that confidence comes from I can see the people out there. I can see their faces. From behind a microphone, I can't see your face. I can't see whoever's listening to this. I can only hope that it's compelling enough where they keep listening week after week. So when we started the 200 level, it was a conversation I had with Jeremy about, you know, I'm looking to do a podcast. Would love to see if there's a way that we can maybe fit with Alana Inquirer, partner up a little bit. And he had suggested just the idea of bringing back the 200 level, which itself had already kind of turned into a podcast with Steve Breitweiser and myself. And that was a moment where it clicked, where something that I'd worked on before with Steve and built a bit of an identity that I think was a natural fit with how I do a show. Okay, great. Well, that's a starting point that can keep me in the loop, that can keep me fresh. Uh, And to be completely honest, part of it was, well, you start a podcast, you stay in the Alani conversation, and then maybe something on radio will open up again soon, right? Well, then we get going with it, and I'm realizing I kind of like this format, open format, two, two two-and-a-half-hour podcast. You let people consume it over the course of a week, bit by bit, and that I can do it here at my house on my own time, uh, responding to things as I wish. There's a freedom with it that I didn't have with radio. In fact, I went back for a segment with Lon and uh, Austin would have been in on the drive on 93.5, and I was blown away how short how quick those 12 minutes went and i thought oh my god could i go back and do segmented radio again i'm sure i could and i'd love it Uh, but this format in particular is something that i feel like throughout my the last decade on 93.5 and now to this point have been building towards the longer format conversational style of podcast which i hope that you enjoy i guess if you're listening to it at this point you enjoy it to some degree So that leads me to my final thought before we turn it over to Harry Black. Fade to black again, this episode is called for the end of Illini football season and Harry's last show with us. Thank you to the listeners. In total, when we started back in late August to now, we've had over 20,000 downloads from over 1,500 unique users from all 50 states and I think 27 countries. We got a wide net that we've cast. Of course, thanks to the help of uh, Illini Inquirer, and the basis supporters they have, of course, thanks to Champagne Showers Podcast Network. We're distributing it, we're we're getting it out. We have a base now, and uh, we're getting some consistency week to week with how many people listen to the show. Uh, The responses that I get, whether it be the reviews on iTunes or different podcast outlets, the tweets that I'll get, there's been some Facebook messages that I've gotten directly from people about the podcast. And they matter. Just like as a teacher, if you get a card from a kid, and I got a few of them before Christmas, Thanking me for Oh thanks for being A great teacher And you could say Well it's just a card Or it's just a letter It does mean a lot um, I don't care who you are Sometimes you do need A reminder that what You're doing is worthwhile Or that there are people Out there that enjoy it And thank you to Each and every one of you The week after week Is tuning in And listening to What we do on this show It's gonna change It's gonna evolve We're going to miss Harry terribly We got Trevor that will still be with us. We have Isaac Ambrose starting next week as well, regularly throughout Illini basketball season and into the summer. We're going to kind of just figure things out as we go. I mean, we're four months into this thing. But what I do like is it feels like we have an identity, and part of that identity is fostered by the listener base. I think we got some pretty intelligent listeners out there. If they're willing to stick through a long-form conversation, they got patience. They can uh, enjoy nuanced arguments. All of that is something that I enjoy as a podcaster. So thank you, thank you, thank you to the listeners, to the sponsors, Fourth and Kirby, DP Doe, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen, to the co-host, Trevor Valise, Harry Black, and now Isaac Ambrose coming up, and really anyone along the way in this journey of radio and podcasting that uh, gave me a chance to do it in the first place, like a sponge to absorb all these different qualities from all the people that I've worked with, and then this is the product that we have right now. So we're gonna continue to work on the two hundred level excited for the 2020s the roaring 20s for alani revenue sports let's hope (laughs) because that four-week stretch let's be honest the four-week stretch at alani football was the most fun that we've had success begets success right so the better they're doing the better we're doing the better jeremy and alani Inquirer is doing the better the news gazette and all those guys are doing so uh here's hoping for a much more fruitful decade ahead than the one that we had before but hey the good news is that The fact that we were able to see such a renaissance almost in Illini coverage in this last decade, can you imagine what that would look like with a decade full of success? Think about where Illini media coverage was in 2010 to where it is now. And a big part of that is Lon and Jeremy. And then Jeremy, of course, really fostering all this talent that came through Illini Inquirer. As someone that grew up in this community, we so badly needed We so be- and still need alternative sports outlets that are not the News Gazette and are not DWS. We need fresh voices, and we're starting to get those. And even here on the 200 level, we're trying to foster those as well, the best that we can. So keep listening, keep reading, keep consuming, even when things are not so good on the field or on the court. And we're going to try to have as much fun along the way as we can. All right, now for the bittersweet segment that I'm dreading and looking forward to at the same time. Harry Black, for one last time on the 200 level, we're going to miss him terribly. Great guy, one of the funniest people I've ever met, one of the sharpest people I've ever met, for one last go around to wrap this puppy up the 2019 football season in the eyes of the one and only Harry Black. It is the 200 level. So wait, those are your four teams, and your criteria for making the playoff is what exactly?
1: Yeah, Cal, Minnesota, Kent State, and Southern Miss. All of them make it into the playoff because they have gold in their names. But why? Because because it's cute. That's not a reason. W- what, what do you want the reason to be? You want the reason to be merit? You want the reason to be wins? Yeah. No! Ugh. Absolutely not. Let's start the podcast. Start, start the podcast.
0: Fine. The 200 level. <laughs> Brought to you by DP Doe, Which Harry, you did not take DP Dough. You took Steak and Shake. I, I did. Believe. I took take a, home a Sack
1: Yeah, cup. Yeah, yeah I I saw that. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I saw that. I wouldn't have gotten that reference if I didn't go inside to pick them up. We were at uh, Steak and Shake picking up our burgers because this was is like, Christmas
0: Day, by the way. Christmas
1: Day. It was the only place that was open, so of course it was it was actually pretty crowded because I think it was the one place that was thinking. Nowhere else is open. People are going to come in here if they need to get something. The drive through line was way too long to wait there. So my girlfriend and I are waiting in the uh, inside, waiting for our takeout order to take it to the movie theater. And I told Tori, I said, if we miss the opening crawl of Star Wars. You, that's
0: the one thing you can't that's miss. That's the only
1: part I know of this movie is going to be good. The only part. Then there's going to be hell to pay. Then I'm going to eat both the burgers. Luckily... We made it well actually we had plenty of time. Okay. What am I talking about? We well, had there's thirty of time. minutes of previews before Star Wars. Yeah, there sure. always is.
0: Uh, so okay, again, DP Doe, There's a slight diversion to stake yes. and shake. We keep on really turning the DP Doe thirty second library into, <laughs> into
1: a, a full minute <laughs> and just talking about other places that we want to smuggle into a movie theater or anywhere you
0: can. Yes. Now but he, no, DP DPDo. I mean I haven't I haven't gone there. For, I should probably go there before I leave. One last time. Yes. And by the way, if you go there beginning on January first the hot box yes. could be extra spicy. Uh, it is legal in the state of Illinois. It's a recreational weed. We just got an email from the school district today, which essentially said, "Just don't come into work high." Because yeah, I think so. that's pretty obvious. I mean, it's like don't come into work drunk. You know, I've never really gotten into the weed thing. It's never been something that caught me. I, I mean, I, I
1: always kind of looked at it as I can't afford to do it if I'm playing football. I never oh, wanted to take the chance, so I haven't. I hadn't partook, if you want to call it that, until. After college, and even then, <laughs> we're really talking about this now. Yeah, sure, it's fine. The first time I did it, I was, I think I did it a little too much, and I started
0: freaking out. I didn't know what was real, and I didn't know what wasn't. Well, society's gotten so used to drinking that we kinda know how much you gotta drink, or most people well, I yeah. should say people tend to figure out what works, right? Yeah. But with uh marijuana it's just it kinda, so it hit elusive. Me like
1: a, yeah, it hit me like a train. Right. And I didn't know exactly what was going on. I think but I now, did too much.
0: now you can try it as much as you want. Well see,
1: the right. second time I kinda I was in the sweet spot. I, I kinda I think that was what you're supposed to do. Well, I've heard that the first time you don't ever have a good experience. I was it was awful. And that well, your body there parts needs of it that to... were pretty fun. But there, it was for the most part it was pretty awful.
0: But regardless now you can try. This is a family podcast, but you know, for consenting adults 18 or older, yes. you can go out there and get your recreational weed. Now, How about that? that?
1: That is not us being peer pressuring, telling you to go do it. If you don't want to do it, there's no reason you have to go out and do it. No, of course not. If you want to do it, go out and try. If you don't, then that's fine, too. So
0: dpdo.com yes. for all the best deals. <laughs> Steve's like, Mike, what the? <laughs> Steve's a, a good friend, and uh, dpdo has been great supporters, which as we kind of end the decade and in the first uh, part of the relaunch of the 200 level really appreciate the fact that these guys took a chance on us including state farm agent brian hansen for all your life auto home renters business insurance needs Brian brianismyguy.com and finally fourth and kirby for all your alani apparel vintage inspired high quality stuff available online at fourth and kirby.com and also at the alani union bookstore so this is an episode that we're titling fade to black for two reasons harry first always kind of
1: felt bad for brian hansen just following up the dp doe read You know because like He he gets like 10
0: seconds After the two minutes That is the DP Well because we've never had You you can't smuggle insurance Into a movie theater No you can't You can't smuggle Brian
1: Into a movie theater either You couldn't No no. he'd be pretty upset With that That'd be
0: difficult We need one of those Gigantic trench coats Like a trench coat And then like on top Is like a five year old kid Saying he's like 21 years old Right right exactly Uh, So yes uh, Thank you again to the sponsors Though for being with us For the first Let's see 14 or 15 episodes Something like that Uh, It was 36 Now we're on 54 54 my god Is this the 18th I guess so Jeez Louise Okay well that's a wrap We're wrapping this puppy up That is 2019 And we started this relaunch Harry calling it A most consequential year Which it was Yeah And we're calling this Fade to black For two reasons Of course the end of the 2019 football season For Illinois But also your final show Yes And we're gonna save the the farewells and one last reflection over your tenure—let's call it tenure—as an Alani sports media personality, because you are going now to the mothership, yes, where you will need to have a broad, general sort of ability. Whereas here, you were able to really kind of um, find a distinct niche related to your Alani football experience, yeah. and then take it from there.
1: Yeah, well, and you know, it, it was kind of weird because at first, like, I didn't re- obviously when you first get into the world of sports and in, in the world of um, sports media, you kind of want to pick from every single basket. You know, I want to talk about football. I wanted to talk about hockey, whatever was going on, uh, whether it be, you know, college basketball, NBA, everything. Then you kind of figure out the, the longer you're in a smaller market. OK, we're only going to really talk about Illinois football, Illinois basketball. If we're going to talk about the NFL, it's going to be because the Bears are good. We only really talked about the NFL around, around the playoffs and around and last year a lot because the Bears were really good and they. Got and they the played the Eagles for God's sake. Yeah, so obviously we're going to talk about it a lot. But then it is going to be interesting, kind of going to a a broader, like you said, a broader horizon. They're looking out where, you know, over in ESPN where they talk about everything that you're not going to just be talking about sports in the Northeast. You're not just going to be talking about, you know, as, as much as it seems like they only talk about LeBron James in the NBA. You're going to talk about the NFL all year. You're going to talk about the offseason. You're going to talk about the draft. You're going to talk about the NBA combine. You're going to talk about baseball when it comes to the playoffs. So it is going to be interesting. It's almost kind of like doing a full circle, but now you get back to the beginning of what you thought sports media was. But now, like you said, I have some experience. So it, it's been a fun ride here, and it's definitely been a helpful ride.
0: Here. And it all started, and we do have... We- we could play. We'll decide. You you sent me the initial MP3 of your, <laughs> oh your first interview on TNJ. Oh, and J, and it, it did start, I think, as there's always a feeling out process about, well, what is what are the strengths of this person behind the mic, and the fact that you were an athlete where no one else had the same experience that you did with that. But uh, what I appreciate, and we'll talk more at the end of this segment about that, uh, from the outset, you had a directness. And whether it be Tan Carp or now at the 200 level, it was just a seamless fit. So when it comes to this team, 2019, we would agree. Let's, let's start with things that we agree on for sure, which I think okay. there's more of that. Yeah, probably. Um, And I think it's when we start getting more micro is where there might be some diversions here. This season, we saw progress. We would agree on that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you would have to say
1: you have a bigger win than you've ever had here. Absolutely. I mean, I, I made my uh, my little best wins of the decade list, and t- the top two were both in this year, and the fact that I don't even have to tell you what two games those are, and you just know, shows how successful you have
0: had or been at moments in this season. Absolutely. Okay, uh, we would agree that you entered 2020 with a chance to make another bowl game two in a row.
1: Yeah, okay. I, I mean, we went into this year saying you should, and saying next year you definitely should, and the fact that you <laughs> did this year... Means if you don't, this is the first time in a couple of years that if you don't win at least six, that'd be a disappointment. Now,
0: I think is, even six might be kind of okay, what are we doing now? This is where it starts to get tricky, though, because there have been a few end of season articles that have been written. One that I, I had to tweet out, and I normally am not compelled to to, I guess he would say, call out another local media personality because everyone's just trying to do their job. I yeah. get it. Uh, but there was one from Bob Osmussen, who's been a, a reporter for the News Gazette for a long time, and this was a glowing article about 2019 and what it accomplished. Now, whereas you and I, I think, would say that, okay, it was a step in the right direction, they need to follow, up, follow it up in 2020 with a couple more wins if there is to be any long-term sustainability here. I think if you
1: want to have something be able to take shape And really what we're this this is a slight side note, slight diversion, but we're all looking at 2021 as five and seven wishful thinking. Oh, and and that's fine. And that's fine. Illinois is going to have those years where you're saying we're going to take a step back. But you want to be able to get to the point where it's not a terrible step back. And that really starts with the 2020 class or not 2020 class, the 2020 year because you are gift wrapped 4-0 start. You really should. Now we said 3-0 this year. This one, it's three non-conference games that are all worse
0: than the one you played this year plus Rutgers. None of which will probably make a bowl game. We thought Eastern exactly. was probably going to go seven wins and they did. It just so happened one of them was against you and the quarterback didn't punch uh, one of your guys were an official exactly. here. He but didn't punch the ref either by the way. He got his hat. Yeah. Maybe Maybe he scratches cornea. Hard Ooh, to tell. Yeah, that would be bad. It was a really exaggerated reaction. But well, I, I saw know. it in live action, and when
1: you see it in live action, your first, your initial thought is, wow, he really clocked him.
0: Yes. Uh, okay, so this season, we would agree progress. We would agree that next year they're set up for potentially another win or two if things go right. I would hope for a seven win. season. Let's start with the four. Then
1: you think maybe Purdue, Northwestern. We always say Northwestern. I know. And Keep then, waiting for I it. I
0: Maryland's right. We're not playing Maryland. Indiana. Indiana's Indiana. Right at Indiana, we'll see if they take a step back. Yeah. Same with Minnesota, who comes here next year. So, yeah, I mean, certainly the schedule sets up nicely. And then the last thing that I want to ask you, and this is kind of semantics back to the Bob Osmussen article. He talked about, he he said point blank, they turned the corner. That to me, and this could mean different things to different people. That to me implies that you have arrived. And Josh Whitman even started walking some of these statements back. The way that Josh Whitman phrased it in his letter to the fan base two days ago was you have arrived at the starting line, which that's a metaphor I'm willing to go with because yeah. if the idea is that you needed four years to get out of this rebuild <laughs> and back to a baseline that's respectable, okay, uh, you know we can go with that. Turn the corner, though. Uh, uh, when I think turn the corner, you know, is he- here,
1: here. I will give you the benefit of the doubt saying... If you had beaten Cal or Northwestern and finished with a above 500 record, I would consider that, in a small sense, turning the corner. You turn from a losing team into a winning team. That's as low as I'm going to set that bar. But, I mean... You had two really good wins in between those two. You had two that you probably should have won that you did, which okay, got it. The Rutgers and Purdue, the Rutgers and Purdue game. So Mm -hmm. you've had a four game stretch there, which was absolutely amazing. It's the best four game stretch we've seen here in over a decade. It was great. It was amazing. If you had stopped right after the Michigan State game and said this team has turned a corner, I might agree with you then but with the last the Iowa, three, game, the Iowa game the actually Iowa game even was a little bit more encouraging in that you finally had a close loss
0: only served to further this idea that you were actually figuring something out where you could sustain success at late yeah. here right now i think this i think this season as a whole if i have to say a
1: failure or success i'm obviously going to say the season as a whole was a success if i'm just t- picking one word oh absolutely but i'm not saying they turned the corner just because they had some really good wins i mean if your idea of turning the corner is You know, having a really big win, you had a really great win, but that's not turning a corner. I mean, Appalachian State didn't turn a corner when they beat Michigan. They were already there. You don't turn a corner with one big win. You turn a corner with kind of like a change of culture. Now, I think you're close. I think next
0: year can get you there. I, I think I think we all think it can get you there, but I just don't think you're there yet. Now, the problem with that, though, and I would agree that next year on the field, they can find ways to seven or eight wins. I think seven's more likely. Because I think the, seven should be expected. Well, but year. here's here's my bugaboo with next year. The takeaways this year were off the charts. In fact, it was top in the Big Ten. Yeah. And we know that Lovey Smith's defenses tend to get more takeaways than others, and that's fine. But the thing with takeaways, and you and I have talked about this a lot, and you're, you're Theory, I think, is the strongest that a three and out defense is far more reliable than a defense predicated on takeaways. If those go away or if they're even cut in half or you get 70 percent of what you got this year. I just feel like as we saw in the Northwestern and the Cal game specifically, and you can really go the Iowa game if you wanted to. When the takeaways go away, this is a different team. Yeah. The margin for error is minuscule. And I also look at this stat from Isaac Trotter, who would put this put this on Twitter after the game yesterday. Illinois, when they do not get multiple takeaways in a game, is 0-4. I,
1: it's it's tough. It's tough because this is a defense that we saw yesterday. And people have been talking about this defense to me or the game yesterday. And what I saw in that game was this defense was basically what it had been all year, except it didn't get the takeaways. And you can make the argument if you get that takeaway early in the uh, in the fourth quarter, where it looked like he fumbled the ball, but they're going to say it's an incomplete pass, whatever. If you get that takeaway, that might be a different game. We don't know. It could have been, but that right there is why you won those games you did earlier in the years, because you're getting these crazy defensive touchdowns in that in the uh, what we have, six uh, defensive touchdowns. I didn't realize this until I thought about it. You had three games in a row, Purdue, Rutgers, and Michigan State. You had three defensive touchdowns in each one of those games. Three in each? No, no, no. Three total. That, that would against be insane if you
0: had nine touchdowns <laughs> over three weeks. So there were two against Rutgers, I believe, right? Was there two? I thought there was only. <sighs> was, I know there was two against Minnesota. There was at least one, and then the one Michigan against? State. The return by Sidney Brown and
1: Purdue. You had it. They were deep in their own territory, and I think it was Nate Hobbs or Tony Adams pick one been. off. Could have been and had like a ten yard pick six.
0: Okay, so and, and that's the thing though. Is going forward, I look at next year's team, and you do bring a lot back. But yesterday and against Northwestern, this what stuck out to me when you weren't getting the takeaways, your defense looked a lot like it. did. Did in Levy Smith's first three years, where you would maybe get to the third and long, but the way that this defense is set up, all it takes is a seam route or a fifteen-yard sideline route, and they're going to convert. Uh, yesterday, the the turning point in the game for me was, let's say, uh, I mean, for a quarter and a half, I don't know about you, but I felt pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we ended the first quarter, I think we were up 10 to 7, and until halftime, even going into the half, I thought I, I thought they were doing pretty good. Absolutely, the offense is moving the ball, they had some sustained drives. Then we get to a situation where Brandon Peters had overthrown Casey Washington. What well, yep. might have been yep. a touchdown if he gets him in stride. And that's not to say, listen, Brandon Peters played overall a pretty I, I was I was going to awesome ask game. you
1: guys, I was, you guys, Trevor's not here, I was going to say, is that dive by him the greatest moment in a loss <laughs> that you have ever seen by hmm. an Illini? Greatest
0: moment. In I mean, a maybe loss. the Mendenhall
1: touchdown in USC, but that didn't matter. Or just like the best moment that didn't mean anything. Yeah,
0: and what what would have been great. Is if they had called, listen.
1: And by the, I don't know if that's a first down. The I don't either. There, there's no view you could have looked at unless we had one from a
0: blimp. And this is why I wish they would have initially just called it first down. Yep. Yep. That was my initial impression is, oh, well, he got the ball across. Well, technically, isn't it that the sideline is like the plane? Yeah. If it's you break which, is, it, which is weird because I don't think that's the case at the pylon. But It, it isn't is. with the pylon, but I think they treat the sideline like the goal line. And the other thing I was thinking in the opening segment, it hit me that if it's a punt, the ref is going to judge where that ball crossed the sideline, yeah. and then they're going to mark it there, right? I never know how they know where that and, is, but, and by they're the way. guessing. Yeah. They're totally guessing. So I'm just thinking, why could they have not given this kid the benefit of the yeah. doubt? Yeah, but uh, and I get that's not what their job is. But overall, that was not a good officiating crew. Even though that play was more frustration that he didn't get the benefit of the doubt than it was necessarily a bad
1: call. I don't. Yeah, I think that's completely true. Now. Can you kind of elaborate to me what – because I see everyone is upset with the refs, and that's one they're pointing at. They're pointing at the targeting, and here's what I think with the targeting. What I probably – initially, I would have thrown it as well because initially, it looks like a targeting. Then you look at it closer, and it's not helmet to helmet. But the rule of targeting is you're launching yourself at their head. By the letter of the law, I think it is a targeting. I don't like the call. But I think
0: it is a targeting. I don't know. Dean Blandino didn't really know either because he said, well, it's tough. And I get it, you know, former official or head of officiating or whatever. But when I saw that, first off, I thought that was a great hit. And he's going to get ejected. Right? Because of the sound of it. His head shook around. It did. And I thought, well, there's no way that he's going to stay in this game. Then you look at the replay. And maybe this is where the orange colored glasses come in. But it looked to me very simply a great hit, shoulder to shoulder. He clocked him, yeah. But what would have been a clean football hit five years ago, and now it's not. Now here is the problem with the targeting thing. For one, they came back after reviewing it and they confirmed it. Now I don't know if with targeting you can only confirm it or you, you reverse can, it. You can because can what, you just say play stands? Not on targeting because on, what not on
1: targeting. With okay. what you are doing on targeting, and they say it every time. Now is they are told to reofficiate the play, and this it's actually funny. It's the only play in football where you go in, say they throw it, and they call it targeting. In the review, you go into it and say there is no targeting right now. It's, it's you know how you go, you're, you need indisputable indisputable video evidence to overturn it. Right. Well, in in targeting, you need indisputable video evidence to confirm it. Which I think that's the problem with this call. I don't see how you confirm that. I don't have a huge problem with that call in particular because it because it kind of looked like it. And like I said, by letter of law it looks like it probably is it's not helmet to helmet which and the other thing so with you're targeting are target
0: with the leading with the head which is still part of the targeting Yeah role.
1: which i hate the rule don't 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 make don't think that i am no, for sure. saying that i like the call or that i think that should have been made but i i think it's the right call to make but Target, I hate targeting, by the way, because in, in this, there are so many times where it is so clear that the player is not trying to decapitate the player. He's not trying to level this guy with some kind of destructive hit. And then you eject, eject him. You throw him out of the game for making a mistake. Now, if it's blatant and you're trying to kill the guy, like in the Oklahoma LSU game where he blindside blocks him, that doesn't get called for targeting. I don't know why. <laughs> My goodness. But that guy should be thrown out. But in yep. this situation, or in the situation with the Clemson-Ohio State game, that's another game people say is poorly officiated. Again, I think if you're Ohio State and you want to win that, how about you score a
0: touchdown one of those three times? Agreed, but they were two consequential calls that went against Ohio State. They
1: were. And again, putting a
0: touchdown wiped out.
1: But again, at the same time, the targeting by letter of the law was a targeting. The I, football move? That one's tough. That one's tough because what they're saying a football move is- And to reverse gotta, it. That's the tough part.
0: This is where it... Now, I would have called it incomplete on the field, but the fact that they didn't makes it kind of sticky. Agreed. So this is where, and I don't want this to come off, because I don't think too many Illini fans yesterday were saying we lost because of officiating. I think that there were two truths that you could hold at the same time. One is that the officiating was not good overall, but the other was that it didn't necessarily affect Illinois winning or losing. that game. No. California was the better team. And if that game would have been played 10 times, unfortunately, Cal probably wins eight of them. I was, the way yeah, that I was thinking that right? same
1: exact sentence yesterday. I was going to say
0: seven or eight of them. Yeah, and uh, so th- it is what it is, essentially, Where, um, and we'll get into the game and what it does or does not mean because it is just a single game. It's a bowl game. It's, and
1: it's, Like I said on the, the drive the other day, they had me on. How about that? Hey, all yeah, right.
0: It's an exhibition game at the end of the day. It yes. really is. You're not playing in the Rose Bowl. You're not playing in the playoff. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but with the officiating, we'll kind of move that to the side, but uh, questionable calls, and it's frustrating that... You know, college football in particular, the NFL's had their share of officiating issues, but college football games tend to go at a minimum three and a half hours and sometimes go all the way to four because they have taken this replay thing to an extreme yeah if there's a close play and i'm in memorial stadium you can almost bank on the fact that oh god they're going to review this It's going to take three minutes (laughs) out of my time and they're Uh, playing man in the mirror over (laughs) the loudspeakers or freeze frame by jay galls man you know you pick your pick your song with any sort of allusion to replay and uh it, it has become a frustrating development for college football the targeting thing was frustrating because again the letter of the law would and may, maybe dictate that Milo or Milo I've heard both Should be kicked out of the game But it's just Come on, it's football It was a great hit yeah. and, and now he's out Not just for the rest of this game But fortunately Your first opponent's Illinois State
1: Wait, does that carry over An entire year? It carries year? over to the first half of Oh
0: year. my god See, it's comical I know Why are
1: you ejecting a guy For a play that he was Just trying to make I mean that If they were to change This rule at all If you were If you were going to tell me They could change one aspect Of the targeting rule I would say the ejection aspect of it. I think like like a flagrant foul in in basketball make it so that there's flagrant 1 where yeah you get hit in the head with an elbow but it's accidental and f- flagrant 2 where you're basically trying to kill the guy. Right. I mean you look at that and in in football the other times where you're ejected is when you throw a punch or if you kick someone. Both in acts of intent. In
0: this you're accidentally hitting a guy not even with your helmet and and you're legislating on something that you can't read you can't read intent yeah right exactly so that that just makes it really muddy okay so the bowl game itself you mentioned how it is kind of an exhibition game and i think you alluded to this in the text thread yesterday with me you and trevor i was disappointed because of the overall sloppiness beginning with the 97 yard drive Yeah, for Cal. And then carrying over into the non-usage of timeouts, which left you 25 seconds on the clock where you still went down and got a field goal. That part didn't
1: bother me too much simply because when you're on defense, you don't control the clock as much as when you're on offense. If if you had taken a timeout a little earlier, they might have just run a little bit more clock
0: off. I was thinking that same thing, and I think you had two timeouts by the time you could have started using them. There might have been one early, I forget. but when. California got down to I mean because they went for it on a fourth and goal of the one yeah that's right? what scored right and I was thinking man if they really play this smart they can just run for little chunks and run this clock out um, but between that and then the timeout with 12 minutes to go in the third quarter yeah so it's just to me <laughs> these are things that as a Bears fan too now I'm going on let's see this is four years at the Illinois seven years at the Bears I'll be entering my 12th year as a fan with Lovey Smith as a head coach. (laughs) And I got to be honest, I'm fatigued by it, you know. Uh, And even with the improvement this year, there is just this general fatigue I have with Lovey Smith football teams that, again, back to the idea, it's predicated on winning via the takeaway. And if those aren't there, it can be really boring football to watch. Now, yesterday, after that first quarter and a half, the offense stagnated. Uh, you you didn't see the same sort of rhythm that Rod Smith, credit to credit him, had going in the first quarter and a half. So California adjusted. You must not have adjusted back. But here's where it gets tricky to me, Harry, is the injuries certainly played a role. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. Yeah. Where does that line begin and end, though? Where injuries play a role, and yet, how much did that factor into Illinois' performance?
1: Well, I mean, it's as plain and simple as it might sound, you just got to look at who's injured. I mean, you're you're biggest producer on offense was injured and not didn't play that game your best player or maybe second best player on defense Jake Hansen I don't know if we're saying he's the best or, if him or, Dele Dele. Or, or him or Dele were the best this year but you're missing two of your best players on offense and defense and at the end of the day if you take out a guy who I mean basically single-handedly on offense won you that game against Michigan State you're going to have a hard time against uh Against a defense that is, I mean, they kept making a point to say one of the best in the Pac-12. Now I don't know how good that makes them,
0: and they still got about 400 yards on offense. I think, yeah, they still on. had
1: a, they had people step up. I mean, obviously Dre had a decent game. Re, Reggie had a couple good runs. I think he had a touchdown. But like you said, it started to stagnate there in the second quarter. You, you weren't getting a ton of production from anyone. Uh, you know, any of your receivers after the first drive. So it, it does kind of get tough when. Once they see what you're doing, the whole cliche is, well, there's no film on the backups. Well, then that's true at first. But then afterward, there's a reason that they're backups Sure. It's because they're not as good as Josh. They're not as good as Ricky Smalling. They're not as good as Jake Hansen. even though I do like what I've seen from Washington and of Yeah, yeah, they will be factors next year. I think, yeah, they definitely will be. But I mean, I mean, are you telling me if you have uh, if you have Josh out there, if you have Jake out there, that game might be a little different. And it's just because
0: I know it's a team sport. You need star power to win games. You absolutely do. We saw Michigan State 4th and 17. If it's not Josh, Matt, Bebe, who else is going up there and making that catch? And in
1: this game, it was your other star on offense who almost did it.
0: Right, exactly. Uh, so that, this is where I was kind of struggling with it between this game and Northwestern. And we were talking about what constitutes you know, a successful season or potentially turning the corner. Yesterday's game, we're recording this the day after, but uh, the game against California, to me, finishing 6-7 and seven is a major buzzkill. Yeah. And really, all they had to have done, by any means necessary, it could have been 17 to 16, it wouldn't have mattered, is beat Northwestern. Yeah. And finish 7-5, and five, yeah. and then literally, the bowl game is just a, not literally, figuratively speaking, a cherry on top. <laughs> little, I I, I want to be careful with that, because I, I hate the cliches of and literally. And you're an English teacher. Talk Exactly. Yeah. I need to be careful with that. But to me, that would have made it such a huge difference, is just beating Northwestern, it, yeah. let alone not getting pummeled yeah. by them, despite all the injuries. So this is where... The injury thing, I want to acknowledge it. It's part of the context of why Illinois did struggle in these last two games. But I I always am a little bit leery of narratives that emerge. You don't want to blame just
1: injuries. No,
0: because look at the defense. Again, like a sieve giving up 15 17 yeah. yard completions like that the secondary looked bad yesterday but then on the flip side i'm thinking well what the hell are they going to do they're covering for 5 to 6 seconds every play you can't ask any defensive back to do that
1: yeah that, well and the defense you look at it the entire season and i was thinking about this yesterday and earlier today there was a, let's just take the non conference out of it you had you had one game i think you had one game where your defense really Did, uh, without turnovers, helped you win that game. And, well, without, uh, you know, defensive scores. And it was against Wisconsin because, yeah, you had turnovers in that game. But like we said after that game and on the podcast, that one, I think that was a celebration day. Yes. That game you won it wasn't fluky and your defense stopped them when they needed to stop them both with turnovers and without turnovers. But then you look at Purdue that game was muddy and you had turnovers. You look at Rutgers, you had turnovers. You look at Michigan State, when you weren't getting those turnovers, they were going down the field. They still scored 31 points against mm-hmm. you. So or did they score 34? They scored, you won 34 to 31, right? Or 37 37 34. Okay. So yeah, you know, when you're not getting turnovers in that game, then you know, or you needed the turnovers in that game to kind of keep you in that and then you look at, what was it, Iowa. Yeah, your defense plays pretty well, but you don't get the turnovers, you lose. Northwestern, you don't get the turnovers, you lose. This game uh, yesterday, don't get any of the turnovers, you lose. So- and the
0: problem is, it's, it's one thing to lose, right? It's another thing to lose and feel like you weren't really in that game. You were in that game against Cal for a quarter and a half, and I, I feel like that's a mantra that I'm kind of repeating, so I, I'll, I'll I lay off say of that. The, I
1: mean, I'll say the, sec, I mean the whole first half, because you go into halftime you're right, with a score game.
0: The, the field goal at that point, I thought, okay, well, that kind of equalizes I really like that.
1: I thought that was one of their best, i call it a drive,
0: but I thought it was one of their best drives of the year. Because, well, if you look at that, and this is one last question before we bring on a special guest. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at that drive, and then really the fourth quarter, too, for the offense, when they started to open it up, they're going downfield. They're yeah. making some plays, but then I thought, well, hold on a second. I mean, Cal's got a lead, just like they were at the end of the second quarter. In the fourth quarter, they're just trying to preserve that lead, and they're going to play. They're going to sag a bit. They're going to play
1: prevent defense and let you get a couple yards if it means running off a little bit more clock.
0: So, is it too easy then to say, hey, why weren't you doing that all oh, the game? Oh yeah, yeah, come on. Okay, all right. Yeah, just I mean, it, sure. at
1: that point, you're slinging it. You got all your receivers out there. They're uh, they're drop back into prevent defense. It's
0: going to be a lot easier to pick up yards. Okay. Oh, should we call our special guest? Yes. Okay. What I love about this is first off the auto audio quality will essentially be speakerphone <laughs> <laughs> so we will try our best here uh, let's see if this works uh-huh oh nope <laughs> sorry as we do this oh that was a facetime for all three of us we don't need that okay here I we go if they
1: know who it's gonna be
0: yeah i, I know right what a surprise <laughs> i'm sorry this is not very compelling podcast stuff right here lon does far better
1: yeah of course cool. look they have the noises for the buttons and, and he's able to make it so that you can hear the dial tone over the radio, which we never figure out how to do that. I,
0: yeah. So I won't be able to give you that, unfortunately, but I will be able to give you.
1: Oh, there it is. Wait, how's he going to hear me? Hello.
0: We have a mystery guest on the 200 level. Uh, mystery guest, introduce yourself. You know, I'm, I'm actually <laughs> thinking that the audio is going to be okay here. It's probably not going to be too bad.
1: Now, Trevor, my question is, how well can you hear me? Uh, mildly. I can hear you, but it doesn't sound like I'm talking right to you. Well, that makes sense, because you're not talking right to me. You're talking pr- like a couple thousand miles away. But, yeah. So, we'll, we'll try to make this
0: work. So, Trevor, you were at the Redbox Bowl yesterday. Now, we need to start with your personal experience, because uh, I remembered... After you, you had tweeted this out, so it's out there on Twitter, but when I went to the Rose Bowl, I was uh, a little bit taken aback by how rude USC fans were, and it sounds like you had a bit of a run-in, so to speak, with some Cal fans yesterday. Yeah, and we may have just been
2: in a bad spot, because I don't want to generalize too much to the point where I'm saying every Cal fan you know, is a, is a giant jerk, but uh, we had about eight people behind us uh, that were pretty belligerent the whole game. Uh, They were just constantly yelling things. The one line that they loved to say was, imagine being from, wait for it, Illinois. They just said that over and over again and just cackled at themselves for saying that. Uh, They they were probably like, I I would guess they were college students, they weren't that old. and You know, they were yelling things like, go back to your barbecue go back to barbecue. This or that i don't know where they were getting these generalities from i, I don't know what's wrong with the barbecue uh, but it, it's it, delicious it progressively got worse and worse and then they started yelling you know f this f that f off back to chicago blah 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 and we're like jeez louise <laughs> it, it, I, i'm not one to. you know i, I wasn't going to go up and complain or anything because all they're doing is yelling it's not like they're phys- physically fighting with anybody or anything but Pretty soon this lady who was a security guard for the stadium comes down and, and the funny part was she had her arm in a sling, she'd broken her arm, I don't know how she'd done that. Um, so she, she comes down and she's this frail old lady with a broken arm and she just starts mowing them down. She said, you're coming with me, you're coming with me. And then other people around them started protesting and saying, no boo, don't kick him out. And she starts playing at them and going, I'll kick you out and I'll kick you out and I'll kick you out.
0: Good <laughs> God. It was pretty entertaining. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, so that's, that's a hell of an experience right there. So then for the game itself, uh, when did you, because we were talking about, we felt pretty comfortable for, let's say, a quarter and a half in that game. When did the uh, wheels begin to fall off for you guys that were in the stadium watching it? When did it go from, oh, okay, to, oh, uh, boy, here we go. Uh, I would say that the, the first time I, I sat back down in my
2: seat, because there's like, different levels of being engaged in a game for me as an normal football fan, especially when I'm there. And I would say for most of the first half, I was still in that level of, okay, that's fine. You know, like you said, back and forth, you know, kind of trading blows towards the end of the first half when they convert on that fourth and goal, that was sort of the first time where I sat back and thought, okay, well, <laughs> this is probably not going to go well. You know, I sense the potential avalanche coming. I actually left my seat to go get food. So I missed the uh, quick little score of a field goal at the end of the first half there. So I guess that's sort of. I wouldn't say drew me back in, but you know, thought, okay, well, they answered. They were able to answer a few times in the first half, whereas they weren't. I mean, you're, you know, we're not used to them answering, so the fact that they answered a few times, I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe they're still in it. But for some reason, their fourth and goal when they didn't stop them there, I just thought, ah, this, this is not a good sign. And you know, they score again to make it thirty-five twenty, and I'm thinking, okay, well, they're technically still in it. But honestly, in the second half, I never really had
1: the you know acute sense that they were going to come back. All right, Trevor, everyone on or everyone was watching this game saw the fourth and 17, whether it was on uh, on TV, whether it was at the stadium. Now, on TV, they initially showed you that it wasn't a first down and that the ref had stepped right out there. I saw your tweet that paired with the fact that I'm always on a delay. I saw your tweet, and it said Illinois picks up a fourth and seventeen again with one of the craziest fashions. That's the second time they've done that this year. That's not exactly what you tweeted; it was something like that. So I thought I thought what you I thought that had basically spoiled the uh, the ref coming out and saying the call is overturned. Unfortunately, that was not the case. Was the sense in the stadium that he had picked up the first down? Oh,
2: absolutely, yeah. And one of the cool things about Levi Stadium is because it's an NFL stadium they actually are allowed to show you the exact replay angles and view that the ref is seeing, which for some reason, I don't know why, it's not a rule in college, but you can't at college stadiums, but I guess it is a rule in the NFL. So on the big screen, we were actually seeing exactly what the ref was seeing and watching it go back and forth and you know replaying the same frame over and over and over again. And literally every single person in the stadium thought it was a first down. I mean, to a T, to the Cal fans (laughs) before they were thrown out, although at that point they had been thrown out. There were more Cal fans. They said, oh, he got it, he got it. So, you know, the calls yesterday were bad. I mean, I'm not going to say that they weren't, but I also didn't have a sense that they were the calls that made
0: Illinois lose the game, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Trevor, now that they've lost two games in a row, we were talking about this. Bob Osmuson wrote an article and used the term, turn the corner, which I know it's semantics, but it does seem like that's a bit too strong, though we would agree that they made progress this year by virtue of, you know, winning six games, going to a bowl game. But the way that this season ended, with the Northwestern game and the Cal game, injuries included, because we do want to factor those in, how does it paint your perception of the 2019 season as a whole?
2: Oh, man. I, I, the one thing we said going into this year was the same thing we said going into last year, which is that I just wanted some definitive um, takeaway at the end of the season. I didn't want ambiguity walking away thinking, Okay, what did I just witness? I wanted some type of definitive stance that I could take. And unfortunately, the last two games have once again completely clouded my judgment of exactly how good that was. And I'm not going to say it wasn't good because it was. But that may have been a bad matchup. I understand that you you know were missing Bebe and other first-string guys. Hanson. At the same time, I genuinely did not feel like Illinois was on an even playing field with Cal for almost any portion of that game. I know early on it was back and forth. But I walked away from that game, you know, refs and all, uh, Cal and all, everything, a context, you know, it was. I walked away from that game thinking Illinois was the worst team on that field. How do I deal with that? I don't really know. They peaked in such a short amount of time that it almost feels like, okay, what was that? I just wish I had seen, I don't know, because I I hesitate to to say I wish I would seen competitiveness because it was a competitive game yesterday. But, again, I just never really got the sense, that only one was the better team. So then you say, okay, well, what do you take from that? I still think they need to do a lot in this offseason for next year. I mean, I think they need to address so much, especially defensively. How did it turn in points the entire season, guys? That was their season high total yesterday. Cal fans all around me were going, wow, offense looks great today. So I'm thinking, okay, that's great. It seems like it's very, you know, and this is what lovey ball is, I guess, but it's such a turnover-driven defense that when you don't get any you end up allowing a team that is not offensively powered to get the most points ahead in the season.
1: All right, Trevor. Now you were not at this game alone. You were at it with your grandmother and you said that some of those Cal fans behind you were being a little rude. <laughs> Would anyone maybe make the argument that maybe she had brought it upon herself as to how rude they were? <laughs> you know, Harry, that is an
2: excellent question. I appreciate you inciting uh my 80-year-old grandmother, and what she might or might not be doing it, Uh, it turns out I didn't even realize this. The security guard that was kicking them out, when she came back down, she said, I ejected the two people right behind you because they almost hit your grandmother when they were swinging. (laughs) And I said, swinging? (laughs) Swinging at what? She said they were like fake swinging through the air with their hands. I don't know why. So she said she kicked them out because they almost
1: slapped her in the back of the head. I mean, that's as good a reason as any to <laughs> knock someone out of the
3: game. My God. Well, <laughs> I've, been, I've, been to a, I've been to a lot of different away games, okay? And
2: Nebraska at Champaign was basically an away game, too, because I was sitting in middle of Nebraska fans. And, again, I don't want to make too large. I know I don't want to cast dispersions on the entire Cal fan base, but that was by far the worst experience I've had with any other fan base. And it wasn't just those eight people behind me. I mean, when we were in line for food, some was asking. Some Illinois fan was asking, "What's the price of that? What's the price of that?" Some Cal fan turns around, turns around and goes, "Can you read?" Oh. Like, they... <laughs> now that's
0: just funny, though.
2: Right? No, it's it, it Across the board, they were very, very uh, just sharp and not up for conversation.
1: Yeah. See, that sounds like my kind of crowd, though. See, that sounds like I'd be able to fit in a little bit more with them than out here in the Midwest. Oh, I think Harry
2: would have very much appreciated the uh, sharp and harsh nature, to which they got to the point of everything
0: within five seconds. So Trevor, we are, uh, we're going to let you go in a couple minutes here, and when we meet, I'm guessing Monday, UI and Isaac will get together, because we'll have Michigan State and Purdue basketball games to talk about, which we aren't really talking any Brad Underwater or basketball this episode, but uh, this I is... completely miss the basketball game this weekend, and I'm going to miss both basketball games, one because we're doing something, the Michigan State game, and then the other because I'm flying back Sunday night, so... I am completely out of the loop on all the basketball. You know, that, that's honestly okay. I think it's a, a welcome respite because the North Carolina A&T game, I kept on saying at and T. I don't know why. Uh, they <laughs> have a great service. <laughs> but that game was just, I've never been, I don't want to say never, that's hyperbole, but I was so apathetic to what was going to happen in that game that it's just, uh, Michigan State, I think, will be telling, again, they don't need to win, but how they look I think is important. So before we let you go, uh, this is Harry Black's last episode Fade to black. We're going to miss him. We already did our, our goodbyes uh, last week, so to speak, but uh, any final words or uh, words of advice, perhaps, for Harry as he enters this new chapter in his life?
2: Oh, Harry. What can I say to Harry? Uh, I said it last week, but, Curb, you said when on your last day at 93.5 that everyone was like Harry. The world would be a better place. I don't know if I think that after seeing the cow fan. <laughs> if that's what Harry wants to be like. <laughs> Uh, but I gotta be honest it gets stuff done right I mean the, <laughs> the guy in line instead of wondering what the price was was very bluntly told what the price was by the Cal fans so there's something to be said <laughs> for just telling it like it is and uh yeah I just I've appreciated so much the time I've spent with Harry and honestly he is one of my better friends and I know that we will continually text when something strange or notable happens in a, any type of game Harry there's a lot of hockey people out here because I'm in San Jose they love their sharks I tried to keep up with hockey talk at the airport and I was miserably uh, underwhelmed by how much information I had compared to everybody else they were talking about Winnipeg and how many points they needed and I thought well yeah if they get a few more points they might right be in that playoff race but I knew nothing about what I was talking about so I want you to go to ESPN and inform everyone in the world more of hockey with your two-hour hockey <laughs> show, uh, That's Not Very Ice, or whatever
1: it's called. Yeah, well, yeah, it is That's Not Very Ice, because only the first five minutes are going to be about hockey. The rest of the show, the next hour and 55 minutes, are usually going to be just talking about different flavors of snow cones or maybe mm. different kinds of foods or what movies are in theaters that aren't very good or that I haven't seen yet. So. Snow cones are technically still ice, so I'm not sure you can't talk about that. Well, oh, yeah, that's not very ice. Uh, what? The, the one food I couldn't pick is the only ice-based food I know.
3: Ah. Uh,
0: well, Trevor. It's such a perfect name, though, because it's a pun, which Harry loves, but it actually would specifically apply to what he's talking about, which is not very much ice. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Well, Trevor, you just made 200-level history. You're the first phone interview we ever had. Wow. I should have recorded the Cal fans for you guys and made the podcast not safe for work. <laughs> that would have been pretty good, actually. Uh So, Trevor, we will see you, I guess, in what six days from now. So next Monday, we'll get it going again after a couple of Illini basketball games. We'll get more of your take about the Redbox Bowl and the Illini football season. But uh thanks for jumping on. Enjoy the rest of your trip. Okay.
2: Yeah, and one more quick thing: the red Redbox. This is just funny. The Red Box had all these prizes during every timeout, and every single prize was one free rental from the Red Box. <laughs> 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 down under the field, and you know they'd, they'd compete in the game, or they'd have something. Choose numbers one between five, and watch on the screen. You know, like one of those little dumb graphic things, like when Illinois had the three different cars that would race, who was going to win, mater or Red sure. Range or whatever. And every single prize was one free movie rental from Redbox. And each time they picked a student
3: from either student section, they kind of looked like they were forced to go, yeah, one free (laughs) movie. But they
2: didn't really look excited at all for one free movie rental. The
0: value of each prize was approximately (laughs) $2.95. Wow. (laughs) Unbelievable. Okay. Uh, Trevor, we'll see you next week, okay, man? All right. Hey, good luck, Harry. Thank
1: you, Trevor. Thank you very much. All right.
0: Trevor Valise, our first ever phone interview on the 200. (laughs) I was
1: just thinking they're so desperate to get people to rent their red boxes that they just say, everyone, look at
0: your ticket. If it is an even number, you have just got a free <laughs> rental. It's <laughs> like, oh damn, that—that that is the worst prize. But not, not uh, even a year's rental worth. Of, that rental should be the prize. There. Not okay. So we are doing something here that ah, okay, sorry, that's mine. I, I do
1: also just want to say, uh, I mean, obviously, a thank you to um, uh, to Trevor. I mean everyone knows well not everyone but people who have listened to uh Tay and Carp and have listened to the 200 level or just know me at all personally which isn't a lot of people which kind of proves the point i'm about to make is that i'm oh. not a very social person I'm, I'm not a socialite i don't really go out and mingle or anything like that my friends that i have are you know i have a couple of friends here or there and even the friends that i do i consider you know you a friend carp i consider Juan, mm-hmm. uh austin anyone at the state Anyone. <laughs> so, and, some some people some, at the station some. are uh, are good friends of mine, sure. and and even then I don't really go out and socialize a lot with them. Yeah. But you know that being said, I'm I know Trevor knows. I know you know how good of friends you guys are of mine, and you know don't think that. I think less of you guys just
0: because I don't see you guys outside of the station a lot. It's just that's not my atmosphere. I I totally get it. And uh, no, we are friends. You I Trevor uh, Austin the thing that I said on the last day of the show was that I would miss mostly just hanging out and that still holds true. Uh, But between the group thread that you and I and Trevor. I mean I don't see that dying out. Oh no. No. I mean I'm
1: sure I'm sure we'll still be talking when it comes to the uh, you know Illinois basketball. You guys will be texting and then I'll say yeah, that's a, that's a good
0: shot right there by Trent. <laughs> you made it, and it's two points now. Just pipe in with nipper-kickles, and we'll be <laughs> good to go. So what we're going to do here, we haven't done this on the show, is oh, get some sound oh. here.
1: Mm. That's okay. We can't get the really long Try, try some of that. This is uh,
0: called Screwball. It's peanut butter whiskey. Peanut butter whiskey? Yeah, which you would think, well, that sounds like, come on, how, how good could that be? You
1: have to tell me when, because I don't know.
0: Um, Right there. Okay. Go with that. Okay. Up right here I put a lot in here. Okay, so we'll we'll cheer. Sorry, you can put more in there. Now try it though. Screwball peanut butter whiskey. Peanut butter
1: whiskey. Now here's the thing: is I don't really oh, know yeah. what uh what whiskey
0: or you know peanut butter liqueur. This I'm thing's gonna, candy. Try to Try it. Oh my god! Unbelievable. Right? Good. So here's a story about Screwball whiskey. This is bringing us back to a, a happier time in 2019. The night that Illinois beat Michigan State, or I guess the evening, because that was an afternoon game, yeah, it was 31-10 and Kara and I were going to go out to eat that night and I said, let's just go now and we can maybe find a place of the tv but this game's not really going anywhere so we went to this place called Hank's Table in downtown Champaign i walked by it for the first time the other day mm-hmm. I, I had heard you mention it and then i cuz there's one that's called like
1: Hank's Bar and then there's one called Hank's Table right next to right, each yeah, other
0: yeah, yeah. so we had, we sat at the bar because there was a tv right there and it's like well if this game gets close well
1: and i was looking when i cuz i was walking to uh. Either Guido's Or Fair I think it was when I was going to Guido's The other day um, Betta, uh, Bethany Manal Used to work over At Game Day Spirit it Was back in town mm-hmm. For a couple days So I went to Guido's With Tori And you know, hung out for a little bit But I, I thought it was funny Because I remember You mentioned Hank's table And I looked in there And I was like There's not a lot of Tables or TVs So I got to look in there I bet that's where Carp was when he Smacked the fork <laughs> off Of the counter
0: A fork and then a spoon Yeah In succession yeah. Because I think the first one Was the touchdown That got it within a point And then we missed The extra point yes. And that was yeah. the other one <laughs> So anyways, we get to the bar and we sit down and great bartender, great service there. And he said, you know, we got these liquor milkshake things. And Kara was like, you know, I'm in the mood for milkshake. So what do you got? And he said, well, we got this screwball peanut butter whiskey. And he gave us a little sifter of it, too. And it is unbelievable. This thing is candy, isn't it? It is. I mean, you, well, when it comes to flavored
1: like alcohol or. Yeah, pretty much flavored alcohol or flavored drinks. A lot of times, I mean, if it's obviously and it has a lot of sugar in it, maybe like a you know soda or whatever, then it'll obviously be flavor what it is. A lot of times, though, I'll see something like an IPA says it's, it has hints of chocolate.
0: I'm like, I like chocolate. Let me taste that. And then it's, and it
1: doesn't taste anything like chocolate. No,
0: no, no. It's the, just super bitter. Coffee stouts, things like yeah, that. Yeah, right? coffee. And, sta- come on. And here's the thing. When the guy, the bartender introduced the screwball whiskey, I thought, OK, well, hold on a second. I'm like, I'm sure the first sip is going to be fine. But then you kind of get sick of it, right? Yeah. You get sick no. of the peanut butter. <laughs> this is good stuff. Well, it's high it's, quality it's, stuff.
1: Stuff. it's weird because it, it tastes like, like you said, it's candy. You, you take a taste of it and you can kind of, I guess the thing, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a, a layman when it comes to alcohol, different kind of fancy liqueurs. But I'm drinking this and as I go to drink it, I, and I guess that's why people maybe smell alcohol sometimes beforehand. Mm-hmm. You can kind of sense the peanut butter tone oh, yeah. before you drink it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's delicious. So this
0: is good stuff. And uh, we got it for the holidays, too. It went down like water at the last holiday party. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> so as we kind of wrap up, and we'll, we'll just talk a little bit. We did kind of the reflection piece last week, the Remember one, But it really hit me today because I have been kind of processing this and really processing 2019 and, for that matter, the last decade as a whole because I started out At 93.5 in January 2011, went out there for a quick interview December 2010, was out there about a week later, January 2011. So essentially that's the decade, you know, the decade's closing. That's like
1: right around to the day, like right now. Yeah,
0: pretty much. I mean, this was at this point in 2010, I knew that I was going to start in the new year two days a week, Tuesdays and Fridays, helping out this Lante and Jeremy Warner fellow. So... As I reflect on that, I'm thinking to the one thing that we tried to establish. I say we. It was Lon and Jeremy's show. My role grew on it. But the one thing that the three of us probably shared was this idea that we are going to do things differently. And all we have to do in order to be different is to be honest. That's not to say that other sports media types in this area have lacked honesty. But I feel like there have always been so many personalities that have been guarded with what they say mostly because they are intertwined with the dia with the athletic department they need to be careful right yeah we never really worried about that even jeremy who has to worry about access and stuff he will call uh call things as he sees it and i've always appreciated that about him so with you leaving i'm thinking well wait a second this is a valuable personality and perspective that won't be here to talk about illinois sports anymore and i'm i'm a little bit worried Um, about the overall coverage of Illini Sports because the big outlets are still the big outlets. They got to do what they got to do to maintain that access. But what you sacrifice sometimes with that is just honesty. Yeah. So after seeing, uh, it was the Bob Osmuson article. It was a few other things that I've seen over the last week, whether it be directly from Josh Whitman or other writers, that leads me to believe that, wait a second, are we looking at the same thing here? Are we just living in alternate universes? Or And with you, I never had to question whether or not what you were saying was honest or truthful. So personally, I'm going to miss it. As an Wani fan, I'm going to miss having yet another perspective like yours to uh, just be honest with what you see.
1: Well, yeah, and I appreciate that, by the way. But, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I could not really ever felt like it was my duty to do that. But, you know, like as someone that is heard by people that are out there, I've just basically thought I want people to hear what I have to say because I feel like what I have to say has some kind of hints to truth and I can back it up because I am because I played here. You lived it. I, I, I've i lived it. I have some, I'm, I can kind of, I'm reputable when it comes to talking about football. So I feel like people can actually trust what I have to say. And that's why I just kind of feel like I'm not going to paint any pretty pictures. I'm just going to kind of basically say what I think it is, how I think it's going to be, what I think it's been in the past. And, and that's just kind of the way that I, I, I've always kind of looked at it. I never really thought of, you know, like, like, Trevor was saying the people out there are kind of just being more brunt and... Is it brunt or blunt? Blunt. Blunt. Is brunt a word? Uh, brunt is something like you catch the brunt of someone's similar rage words. or something, right? It sounds similar. It, it is. But, okay, basically, I, I, I am kind of blunt and short, but when people... With the people out there kind of being more so rude, I always just kind of saw it as myself just wanting to get to the point quicker. Right. So... And, and that's just kind of, I tried to bring that over to the radio. And I just, like I said before, I, I just kind of always thought that that's the way it should be. I don't really like, and you have people in uh in Illinois media that are a lot, I mean, I am in no means putting myself on the same level as, say... um. Brian Barnhart, but that guy is great at what he does, and even he has to watch what he says because I think we've said is he an employee of
0: the university? Well, and I don't to think, some extent, to but, maybe to some extent through Learfield, but you know the one thing that I will say about Brian, I mean for any play-by-play guy, you also yeah. you do get the. Uh, freedom to also be a homer because you're being paid for that right yeah and he does uh, I think a fine job of balancing Okay, you're the play-by-play guy you tell you call things as you see it But also he has kind of ingratiated himself as the voice of the Illini Yeah, and in order to do that, but in order, you do like, get that leeway, right? Yeah,
1: well, you get a little bit of leeway, but even a guy like him isn't going to get enough leeway to the point where maybe you are not going to be able to call things exactly how you say maybe if he wants to say something to the effect of I just don't think this team's doing very well I think they have no chance to win this game tonight he can't say that he has to go into it basically putting on the blinders saying that you know this is why Illinois is going to win this game this is why the opponent might beat Illinois
0: today he's had to do that for a lot of bad teams exactly I do not envy that position at all
1: exactly now but like I said a guy like him has to do that through all these bad years that we've had and there's been a lot of them that's where the freedom kind of comes in in a position that means and you have and that we can talk about Illinois sports however we want. If we're, if they're playing well and we want to say you're playing well, keep doing it. Uh, this is what we see they're doing the right way. This is what we're see doing the wrong way when they start to not play so well. That's what I, I've really enjoyed and I've kind of, I don't want to say taken advantage of, but I've just yeah. enjoyed the fact that I've been able to talk about these sports the way that I see it. And that and people will think that that means I'm always pointing out the negatives. I just... I. <sighs> Saying I call it how I see it makes it sound like, oh, I call it how I see it. I'm hot taking. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say they're always. Doing, <laughs> I calls them as I yeah, them. Yeah, I always think they're doing poorly. No, I just I want people to th- see what I think is going on right now. And I, like I said, I think I have some kind. I'm a little have some kind of what is the credibility? Credibility. There it is. Yeah. I have some kind of credibility when it comes to talking about Illinois. Uh, sports is specifically football because I've lived it. I know what these guys are going through. Mm-hmm. So that's all I'm trying to say. I, and I, I know more times than not, it's going to sound like I'm saying that they are, you know, maybe not doing as well as they could have because a lot of times they're not. Yeah, sure. But at the same time, if they're doing how, how well they can do, I'm going to point that out. I'm going to say, keep it up guys i mean the time they beat michigan state the time they beat wisconsin the first thing i tweet is i am so proud of you guys i am so proud because i know how tough it is i know that you're hearing all the noise from the people on the outside which is basically you know me and you and well me and you to a smaller extent but then like the more and more people the fans to uh to the larger point saying what the problem is with this team and and i know how hard it is to kind of put on the blinders to that so that's why i'll point out how proud i am of those guys getting stuff done and i just I feel like I'm going around no,
0: no, 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 not at all Because I think the one thing That you are cognizant of And I've tried to be cognizant of too Is that most of my criticisms Are not levied against the players Or student-athletes No, yeah Right uh, They are doing the best they can Yeah And essentially putting in 40-hour-plus work weeks In order to do so We can talk about free educational <laughs> Yes, that is a nice benefit But uh, they are still working their ass off To me, the criticism Has always really been levied At the people that have control Over these situations The coaches uh, The athletic directors And over the last decade, unfortunately, there haven't been a lot of positives to go off of. I had a conversation with a friend yesterday, I mentioned in the opening segment, and he was like, Aren't you enjoying the bowl game? And at this point, we were down 21 to 10. I'm like, (laughs) No, because we're losing. And I'm starting to question how much progress was made. Certainly, a a level of progress was made, but long term, what does this mean? Because you know me, I'm macro to the fullest. Um, The one thing you mentioned, too, is and this is the dichotomy here between, let's say, a DWS and a News Gazette that needs to work with the athletic department
1: like hand in hand, you know? Yeah. Well, and and that's exactly why I pointed out a guy like Brian is because these are guys that have to work with the school itself and have to basically try to sell the uh, sell the school, sell the program. Whereas we basically it's kind of on the other side, they're selling it. We need to buy it. You know, we need to say this is why you guys are playing well. This is why you guys aren't playing well. Mm-hmm. This is what we think you guys should be doing, shouldn't be doing. Now, obviously, we're not saying this like go do this, go do because they shouldn't listen to us. We're fans at the end of the day. You know, to, to to the to uh to a large extent. But you know, we're gonna basically we're trying. I feel like we're trying to speak out for the fans that are out there that want to hear what they are thinking as well.
0: I would think so, and it's not. Ever fan servicey, Like, in other words, we don't come on here purposely and try to say what we think the fans want to hear, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. But the one thing, and this is where 2019 to me is a weird year that I've had to really kind of wrestle with, is that on one hand, you know, when we were at 93.5, the contract went up twice. For Illinois sports you weren't there the first time it was I was there the second time but 2013 and then I think again in 2016 or 17 it 2017 have, right? 17 going into 18 now. okay um so we make a bid for it actively involved in it how much I'm not sure don't get it um nine billion dollars <laughs> but I gotta be honest the one thing that I was leery about when we were making the bids and again I don't know how close it got or did not get is that once let's say we had gotten that bid then there would have been yep yep I don't know, unspoken or maybe spoken it pressure to not. probably would have been spoken, not, yeah. Right, and I'm thinking, okay, well, wait a second. Now, after the second time passed, and this is what's been kind of juggling in my mind in 2019, especially in the summer when everything kind of came to a head at 93.5, is that I thought, especially after not getting it the second time, we had total carte blanche to really say, What we thought again without being Purposefully negative I I think we get Mischaracterized oh yeah well as being Negative for the sake of negativity well and I Think that the reason
1: people look at that is because We go off of what we see Out there we go off of what the product is on The field or on the court and for the last couple of years, the product on the court and on the field has been a below 500, even a good year for Illinois, which was this past year at the end of the day, it's below 500. So exactly. if you're going to look at, say, let's just completely base level 13 games. More than 50% of the time, seven out of those uh, 13 times, we're, we're coming on here sounding more negative than positive exactly. because we lost. So
0: with all that And then even mind, the UConn game,
1: we're, we're a little bit more
0: negative. Right. So even with that all in mind, you know, and I said in the opening segment, you and I are kind of like the Island of Misfit 93.5 broadcasters, essentially, right? Yes. Um, and that's not to say anything about Juan or Jeremy or Derek or Austin or Trevor, because at the end of the day, I know those guys will also go on the air and say what they think. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if it's tone... I don't don't know. It's delivery. Do I just sound like an asshole? I'm not really sure. Uh, But I'm wondering um, that's why it was really puzzling with that within a month and a half of each other. You know, we had the talk. Each of us had a different talk.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess you could call it a talk. A talk, a chat. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: That wasn't really a discussion. And I I think the one thing uh, professionally that I was really disappointed with, and I, I broached this on the show, but the one thing I was disappointed with is that, you know, you invest a lot of your passion into something you did for the three years that you were there I did for the nearly 10 years that I was there and we cared about it you know we cared about the product we cared about the show we cared about being a part of the alumni conversation and it it was striking to me that I thought we kind of had safe haven from having to tiptoe right yeah and that maybe ultimately we didn't yeah yeah but then at the same
1: time it I would think that if like you said the guys that were around us maybe
0: didn't also kind of talk the same way that right. we right so but I'm, I guess- I'm there is no, I, I can't say that with any certainty i'm totally being presumptive there but yeah that's why i made that preface that well wait a second i mean i know lon's gonna tell like it is and yeah. jeremy still goes on the air and says hey that was bad yeah which is not what you know other beat report, other guys on the beat don't necessarily say that and he will say that yeah i i don't know what it is i don't want to make any
1: assumptions um you know at the end of the day we're not there anymore And do I miss it? I miss it. You know, whenever I turn on the radio, I think, "Hey, I, I I miss when we got to do that." And and the crazy thing is, you just said you said three years. I was really only there for about two and a half, but closer to three than than two and a half because I think it was August was the end. So I guess it was like two and three quarters or whatever. That doesn't matter. But the thing is, is you really do notice how much time you put into it because I think back to like like when we were doing um, some Harry's Hooks Carps chorus, Mm -hmm. and that was. I think wow, that was so long ago. I was probably not here that long. I was already there for a year. Oh, yeah. I had a year invested of being here, and then I think back to the fact that, like, what was it, a Harry Black Film Room? We did that for two years in a row. You know, I, I did that off season, did it again. So we had stuff invested there. I mean, you way more so than I, but it, it is it it is unfortunate when you kind of you you go in into that um, into that building. Every day for a couple of years, and you feel like you're just hanging out with your friends. You're talking about sports and you're getting feedback. I mean, you, I'm sure have felt it. I'm sure Lon's felt it. Trevor has told me he's felt it to a much larger extent. But even, I mean, I have gone out with the little amount that I, that I even talk to people out there and a the little amount that I expose myself. I'll have people saying, Hey, Harry, 93.5, you're on Tay and Carp, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're on Tay and Jay, right? And, And it's nice. It's nice to get that recognition. It's nice to have people say, "I like what you're doing on the air. I I love listening to you guys. It's my favorite show." And and I I don't. I wouldn't say I took it for granted because I mean, for the first no, I I don't think. I I don't think any of us did. Oh, you you can't take it for granted when you go in there for as long as we did before starting to have it be a paid thing, and you know, basically putting in our own time to try to do what we can to make the show better. Mm -hmm. So it it was unfortunate the way it ended, but. Like I said, it ended and, you know, the other day I, I did get to go on for one more goodbye show with uh, with uh, with Lon. Uh, Derek was there. Unfortunately, Trevor couldn't be there. I think sure. he got caught up at the DMV that blasted Department of Motor Vehicles <laughs> and their <laughs> tripod. No, tripods. With Patty and Selma. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They work there. Yeah. Yeah. Chub Chub. Is it (laughs) Jub Jub or whatever? Yeah, whatever it is. The Wizard. Yeah, Um, but yeah, and I, you know, you do it for one hour, and there were shows where we would be. I know I'm rambling. I don't care. Nah, that's fine, dude. You know, you know, there's there's days where you're there, especially whether it be a um, a a game day show or a Tay and Jay show. Mm -hmm. Back when it was three hours, sometimes it would drag, and then you're there for even some two hour shows when you're getting used to maybe the dog days of summer, having a couple days off a week for a Cardinals game, and then you have a two hour show, and then that even drags. And then you go back in and I was there for one hour and it flew by. You were there for the whole hour. I was there for the five o'clock hour. Very and cool. it, and it just, it flies by and I, I don't want to do the whole, you don't know what you have till it's gone, but it is, it is unfortunate that it couldn't have just lasted a little bit longer.
0: I agree. I mean, for you and, and I don't know when a dream of being on the radio or anything would have started for you if it was like, oh, that seems like a pretty cool idea. That. God, I got to think back now because... But even if it wasn't your dream from the outset, eventually it became like, wait, I could do this for...
1: It, it was my... That's what I wanted to do come like right around when I graduated because okay. I when I saw that I wasn't going to be able to play football any longer because as stupid as it sounds, I come to the University of Illinois, my game plan was because in, in high school I was... Uh, freshmen didn't play, sophomore played some garbage minutes. Now, this is at a really good school, mind you. Mm-hmm. So my mindset is I'm getting garbage minutes as a sophomore, junior, senior, I started for a really good school, school that almost got to the state championship game each of those years. In Florida, no less. In Florida, in, yeah. in, in uh, the largest conference of Florida. So there's one through eight A uh, leagues, whatever. I'm in the largest one. My school had 4,000 kids in it. Holy this, this is a God. large school. The best teams here usually have like Five or six kids going to D1 schools, so I go from there. And even if I'm walking onto a D1 school, if it's um, you know not getting a scholarship, I'm walking onto a D1 school. My plan at the outset was redshirt freshman don't play at all. That gives me an extra year to have the same exact path that I had in high school. Then yep. as a freshman, I'm gonna be a um, I'm not gonna play again. Sophomore, maybe I'll get some you know bogus minutes. Then I'll be starting by my junior senior year. So the whole time going through college, you kind of think, or at least I'm thinking. That's going to be the, what I'm going to do, because I did it in high school, and that was a good school. This is a uh, this is a D1 school, so I'm going to be able to do the same thing I did there. I'm going to be able to do this. I'm going to get to the NFL. This is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work out like that. And when you notice that, what you have to then kind of do, at least in my shoes, was I don't want to step away from sports. How am I going to be able to stay here and keep you know involving myself in sports? Found out about the show. Found out, uh, I think it was Jeremy. Yeah. That whole story we've been over a bunch of times. Uh, go back and listen to either episode 53 or you can listen to my last, was it the goodbye episode of uh, On the Drive? Yeah. Which was, I think, back in August. Would have been back in August. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've been over that a bunch of times. But, you know, s- from the outset of uh, really ending football, it's just been I want to stay involved in sports. I love it. And, and you know, it, this is, it's it's I could, it's I more than I could have hoped for. What yeah. I mean, radio, it's just, it is, the fact that we can... We have made this at points in our lives a living to some extent. It's, it's, it's basically you, you, you want to be able to do what you love for a living. And I'm trying to keep that going. That's what I'm trying to do. That's why, that's the reason I'm going out to ESPN. I mean, that's the reason I, two years ago, if you would have told me I'm there, I've been like, I would have thought, why? Why? I'm not even thinking about, about, I I guess three years ago at this point, I'm not even thinking about radio. I would have thought, hey, that's pretty cool, but I wouldn't have even thought about it. But the fact that over the course of these, Two and a half, now getting close to. No, it is three years. I got to start saying three years. <laughs> the fact that over these three years, I have kind of it's evolved to the fact where this is my life now, about as much as football was. I'm and 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 it's it's wow. more than I could have hoped for.
0: You mentioned not wanting to leave the sports arena, yeah, so to speak, right? And this is one way to stay with it. Uh, I I was just kind of reflecting on the last decade and that's why I brought this up and you know one thing I want to be careful of is not to sound you know bitter or anything like that because the the end thing that I wanted to bring back to was that With the exit from 93.5 for each of us, it did open up a new avenue. Namely, it opened up this, which we were able to do for four months, and I I think, man, we're having so much fun doing this, and oh, now Harry's got to leave, and while there's this bittersweetness with that, uh, mostly it is sweet to know that you are now taking a leap that at your age and your position in life, there is no better time to do it than now. Yeah. Where were you 10 years ago today? Or around <laughs> yeah. this time,
1: how old were you? What uh, were you doing? Okay, well, let's see. On December 31st, 2009, I think I remember where. I, okay, yeah, December 31st, 2009. I was with my brother. I would have been 15 because I'm 25 now. I was 15. We were um, walking down the street in um, in the neighborhood we lived, banging pots and pans together, saying, "It's the New Year! It's <laughs> the end of the decade!" Yeah. <laughs> Which we you know, kind of having fun. <laughs> um, I remember if my uh, my first quote-unquote girlfriend. Ah. Uh, well, I mean, super quote-unquote because we went out for maybe a couple weeks or oh, a month. Okay. My, Exchange notes. Yeah. Well, no, we didn't even go to the same school. I oh. had my brother text her for me because he set it up. And then she had her friend text me. So I'm not even texting her. And then you know, like two or three times she came over. I went over to her house and we you know made out and then on New Year's nice. I was like nice. I just I kind of remember thinking on New Year's at midnight I don't really like this girl I don't think she really likes me oh, Henry no. and he was like oh just break up and then I literally called You're like, her like you can do that well that's what I thought I was like I never have done this before <laughs> so I called her I was on like on New Year's Eve yeah no new, broke no no it was New Year's
0: okay New Year's Day you call
1: New Year's her. Day okay. but to be fair when I called her I said hey um, I think we should I mean, obviously, I didn't say break up. I said, I think we should just be friends. And she said, yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> oh, that was an easy call. Yeah, okay, super easy. Total mutual, like, all right, well, hey, nice yeah. to know you. 10 years ago, I was, uh, what was I, I would have been a sophomore. Sophomore wait, 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 wait. in high school. No. Was you, I a sophomore? 2010? No, I would have been a freshman. It was 2009 going into 2010. Okay, a so freshman in high school. I would have been a freshman in high school. So actually, that was,
0: that was the next year. Never mind. I would have been... 23 right yeah 23 New Year's Eve function up in Chicago working at my dad's office doing purchase orders and that was essentially it was a it was an office job hmm. did that for another full year well, actually did that for another uh would have been got another two years because I didn't start the station full-time until 2012 but uh yeah it was kind of a the, the decade came in with a whimper. Just sort of like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Then everything really kind of accelerated in 2011 when I started doing the show. And I look at where I was 10 years ago to where I am now, going from 23 to 33. Certainly not the exponential change from 13 to 23. Yeah. Right? But life things. I mean, getting married, getting a dog. No kids yet. Might yeah. be another decade before that. And <laughs> no rush for that. Uh, changing careers. Yeah. To well, become t- a teacher. Well, I mean... That's the, the crazy thing. You look 10 years ago
1: and you think, was I even thinking about what I'm no, doing right now? No, of course now? not. Yeah. I mean, I mean we, to
0: me, if you ask me, where, where are you going to be in 2030? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I got yeah. some things that I would like to continue to be constants in my life, but well, actually, other let's, than that-
1: Let's do that. Let, if, you could, if you could plan out what you're going to be doing in 2030, what mm-hmm. would you be doing? Wow. Okay.
0: 2030- uh, what, what would the
1: family look like oh. and what would you be doing?
0: <laughs> well, at most, two kids okay. by 2030- No rush for that, but they'd still be little ones. I would be now entering my like 12th or 13th year of teaching, get a master's degree to move up that pay scale, not because I actually care to learn more. (laughs) We've done enough learning, but I want that master's degree. And then from a sports talk perspective, that's where it gets interesting because, you know, there is, I've never been complacent, I don't think. I, I would hope at least that I'm self aware enough to acknowledge when I have been complacent. With talk radio in particular, I don't feel I've gotten to that point. And what will be interesting to see is, well, where does sports media kind of go? Podcasting, I don't think, is going anywhere because our phones, we're so dependent on yeah. them, and that's how I listen to most of my stuff, podcast. But it would be interesting to see locally with the sports media landscape, what are our opportunities that are going to open up? So, for example, in 2000, in the year 2000, no one could have predicted that in 2010 Stevie was going to start a radio group and say, I want a station devoted to local talk radio. Yeah. Well, what's the next move with local radio? If so, is there a fit with that? Um, and initially, full disclosure, starting the 200 level, the idea was to just stay in the conversation. I, I wanted to do it, but it wasn't like, yay. <laughs> it was like, okay, I should probably it's do like, that. Yeah. <laughs> stay, stay in the convo. Yeah. Don't lose your chops. And then maybe another opportunity in radio. Chops delicious, so- by the way. Mm, God, I love chops. Sauce, my God. Mm, delish. But- now, as a stance, I'm thinking. Well, maybe this is the long term. I, I don't know. I mean, that's a great question because I don't think that, regardless of how good or bad Illinois is, that I would lose that fire or passion to oh, talk no, about.
1: Definitely it. not. I mean, they've been as this is the worst decade they've had probably ever. ever.
0: Probably you would, if you say basketball and football combined, it is the worst decade they have ever had. You could probably go back to sixty-five through seventy-five, and I know that's not like a zero to zero, yeah, sixty yeah. to seventy, or seventy to eighty, but sixty-five to seventy-five. If I recall, post slush fund. If you look in the media, guys had a reason just, that had a reason. Yeah, you're right. This has no reason to be yeah. as bad. I mean, cause, here we are.
1: And then if you just, like you look at the 70s. There was, well, football wasn't really doing. Football anything. was bad. Was basketball anything in the seventies? Lou Henson got hired in
0: seventy six. Okay, so you have. But something you were still working through. your way back.
1: Eighties, both. I mean, eighties might be the 80s best. Eighties belonged you to had. the Illini, as yeah. they
0: said, and, and it did because you had Lou Henson at his peak. Those teams were generally top fifteen every year. Nineties,
1: you had some really good Illinois defenses, and mm-hmm. you had basketball. Two thousands. Probably the second best decade you had.
0: Uh, yeah, because basketball was so good through 2006. And you had
1: two years in football, mm-hmm. which is you know more than you can
0: ask for in this decade. I mean, Well, like, your two best years were the first two years of this decade, and those yeah. were seven and six. Oh, my God. The end of the Ron Zook era, where we were getting fatigued with it. So I'm hoping that I am still in it for when, if yeah. there's ever this new renaissance, that's when we actually what, start winning again.
1: That's what I was going to ask you. If you could say in the next 10 years... And, you know, I hate it. I hate the word do thing. But if you look at history, I hate saying you're do, but I also do notice that history has a way of repeating itself. Yeah, things are cyclical. Yeah. So that being said, Illinois in football, I mean, basketball, I think you definitely should have at least one conference championship. Oh, I don't know. You should have one. In well, the next it's, been, 10 years. it's been 15 years since your last one. Yeah, but before that you had one like boom 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 boom. For sure, but then basketball it, but school.
0: before 2001 or 1998, it had been 1983. But
1: even that's 15 years. And that was when
0: Illinois basketball was still pretty good, but that's they were even Big 10 title.
1: Yeah, that's right. We didn't the
0: uh line, I didn't win a nope.
1: Big 10 title. But 32nd, I mean, come 32nd. on. That's that's a Final Four team. I think
0: we'll give them pass We'll on take that. the Final Four banner over the Big 10 title banner. Yeah.
1: That's actually a good question. Would you take a conference championship over a Final Four run? Or no, Never. the Final
0: Four run over a... Really? Oh, i take a Final Four over a conference championship any day of the week. Even hmm. That's what people remember. Yeah. People, I mean, that's why the 89 thing, the fact that they didn't win a Big Ten title became a footnote. Interesting yeah. little anecdote, but at the end of the day, that team was one of the two best teams in the country. Yeah. Just happened to have one eh, kind of game against Michigan.
1: Yeah. Oof. God, after you beat them already twice uh, during that season. you know.
0: And I, I do think, too, with Illini fans, and myself included, I didn't live... I, I was three... Or two and a half when the '89 team made their run, so I didn't have any skin in the game, but it did add to my psyche as an Lioneye fan that God, we're so close but so far away. Yeah. Right. With basketball specifically, with football, we've never been that relevant. So a friend broached this question to me yesterday. Well, we aren't going to be Michigan, we aren't going to be Ohio State. So what are your expectations? As I sit here today, I truly think they're you know meager expectations for what I want from both of them. Just the older I get, Harry, I realize that I I, I don't need much. I need Tournament appearances for basketball and two out of three years for football. Make a bowl game. I that's want it. If I really think about it, that's all I need. I want a Big Ten title
1: in football once every 15 years. And that's And, fair. and the fact that I'm saying Big Ten title. Big Ten West, the, West. I want Division a Big Ten West title once every nine years. Oh, OK. And every 15 well, actually, years. You know, you, know what? you know what? The Big Ten West isn't good. Okay. I want a Big Ten West title. I was about to say every year. No, no. I want a Big Ten West title once every six or seven years. I don't think that's a lot to ask, especially if the school and and the fact like I was about to say, the fact that I'm saying a a Big Ten title or a Big Ten West title, people will roll their eyes. But then you put on the caveat of I want a Big Ten title once every 15 years. Come on. When I'm 35 or when I'm 40. I want to be able to say one time in my 20-year fandom, <laughs> Illinois has won a Big Ten title. I hope you get to say that. And I uh, want to be able to say that once. Come on.
0: And, and what is kind of... Utah almost won the Pac-12. Well, and look at it, Wisconsin. So that, yeah. that is an example. They were historically bad. And I know it's anecdotal. Usually, football programs especially, they are what they are. Yeah. They're either good or they're bad. And then try to ascend up to the ranks of really good if you've been perpetually bad. That's not easy. But... There has to be a way, right? And yeah. I, I don't know if the way that it's going right now is the way, specifically, Lovie Smith and Brad Underwood. We didn't talk basketball this episode, and we'll broach that next week after two Big Ten games, but you know, it's weird to sit here entering 2020 and not feel any better about Illini sports than I did from 2009 into 2010. And I know that's a really arbitrary comparison to make. Yeah, Just take a 10-year chunk and say, well, I felt this way then, and now I feel this way now. Well, but I don't feel a sense of momentum.
1: Well, and the I'm, fact, being, I think I'm being it's more told so, by
0: some to feel that, but I don't
1: feel it. I think it's more so the fact that you haven't had that feeling. Not only in you know 2019 going into 20, and 2009 going into 10, but 10 into 11, 11 into 12, 12 into third. The one time you may have was uh, 10 into 11 in football. Yeah, that aside, was the one
0: time that we felt, and we even joked about it on the show. I mean, well, but we weren't really joking when we did Dare to Dream and said that this is going to be like a nine and three football team. And have for been for six games. We look pretty smart. Yeah, I mean, really,
1: that team. I think if you're trying to be pessimistic with with that team after the six and zero start, I mean, obviously, pessimistic would be six and six. You still finish eight and four. Yeah, come on! You right, be, you beat, beat Purdue. Purdue and beat Penn State. A
0: bad Minnesota team or
1: Minnesota or Northwestern. And I think if you win
0: one, well, of well, you already beat. Sorry. You'd already beat Northwestern. If that you year. beat that's one of it. those first 5 teams before Minnesota, I think you beat Minnesota. I would agree with that. Things had just tailspun and they yeah. already had the bowl. They knew they were going to a crappy bowl game regardless. The that game meant fight, nothing Hunter to bowl. them. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, yeah. Which now I think that's the Redbox Bowl now, right? It's the same lineage. I think it was at the Giants Park back then. That's where the game was and then now it's the Redbox Bowl. It's Box the same bowl. place pretty much. Yeah. So it is just uh, But I mean,
1: you even look at other schools and you kind of get caught in the trap of saying well, you've never really done it. Why Why do you think you're going to win a Big Ten now? Is any other school doing that? Oklahoma wins the Big 12 every year. Yeah, they do, but they played Baylor this year. Texas was down, and they came back. Clemson was really
0: nothing before six years think ago. Think about that. Clemson was just an also-ran ACC team. They were good. They were fine. I mean, they were probably... I put them... Seven with, wins a year. Yes. Seven, eight wins yeah. a year.
1: I put them in the ranks of maybe Iowa before this kind of six, seven-year run. But then, even Iowa, fifteen within the last fifteen years, I think, did they win one back in two thousand and five? I think a Big Ten title, three, four, or five, they won a Big Ten title yes. with Kirk
0: Ferentz, or maybe even two thousand two.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I think with Brad
0: won. Smith or Brad Banks. Are you talking basketball? No, 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 football. Are well, you they talking had, football they have, or basketball? Yeah, I'm talking football. They've had Ferentz since ninety nine. Well, Ferentz since ninety nine, but I think in two thousand two they made the Orange Bowl. Oh two yeah. or oh three?
1: Yeah, they did. They yeah. did. Um, and then they won. I think they had that weird play where they won a bowl game on the last play of the game it was like a Hail Mary Against but not- Florida right. LSU, I think that's right. LSU, and it the wasn't a bowl, hail mary, sure. but it was kind of like a hail mary. Iowa,
0: LSU, Outback
1: Bowl, Outback Bowl or Citrus Bowl. One of the it was a Florida bowl game. And Do you it,
0: miss the fact it's not called the Citrus Bowl anymore? It's just Capital One. Yeah, I love the name I like Citrus, the Citrus
1: bowl. bowl. Although Capital One just kind of sound like a more important bowl. If that makes any sense, I don't know. Sounds but, very, but anyway yeah, prestigious. You look in the last fifteen years, you've had those schools. You have Kansas State was ranked first in the country at a point. Mississippi State was ranked first in the country at a point. Or Oregon came pretty much out of nowhere. Washington State was one win away from the college football playoff. Kansas, 15 years ago, was in the uh, was in the Orange Bowl. So
0: essentially, you're saying why not us?
1: Why not? I, I don't. But I'm disagree. not asking for it. In, I mean, well, now I am asking for it next year, of all things, because this is the year. But it's to to say. Don't ask
0: for a Big Ten title in the next 15 years. Why not? No, and One I would,
1: crazy year to not even win the Big Ten. Maybe make a run at it.
0: I would agree with that. And this is why when I say my meager expectations. Yeah. Make the tournament for basketball. Two out of three years, make a bowl game. That's attainable. Yeah. I want to start with attainable first. And then we'll get to those you know loftier dreams. It, it's just really weird because for the first half of my life, there were certain things that were givens. Well, let me be specific. Illini basketball, it was a given. You could count on it. And if you had a bad year, usually you knew that there were guys coming in that were the reinforcements were coming. Like
1: uh, what was it ninety eight or ninety nine? Yeah, ninety eight,
0: ninety nine. They finished three and thirteen in the Big Ten. They made a run in the Big Ten tournament, but you knew that Marcus Griffin, Brian Cook, yeah, Frank Williams you, you were all coming. You knew who you were getting back, and you kn- yeah. did. You know going into that year was going to be a down year. Yeah, people knew there was going to be a bit of a struggle. They no one anticipated three and thirteen. But you had Corey Bradford become the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. You're like, wow, you pair him with all these guys coming in. And the recruiting was really starting to pick up, too. (laughs) Imagine that off-season expectation actually paying off the
1: next year. Exactly.
0: But here's the thing, too, is that the coach had pedigree. Lon Kruger already had proven that he could win. He had won a Big Ten title the year before they went three and thirteen. He's much better than his brother short Kruger, I'll tell you that much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. That's that- good. That's
0: good. to be lo- or wide Kruger. <laughs> Length, <laughs> width, long, <laughs> L- short. It- no, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, long and yeah. short. <laughs> long and short. And then Bill Self, not to be confused with <laughs> um, um. What's the opposite of self? <laughs> Dollar you. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know what I forgot to bring down here? Last thing was. We got a game for Christmas called Pundemonium or Punderdome. Punderdome. You draw two cards and you try to make a pun. Is it like Thunderdome? But It's, like it's just Punder- named after Thunderdome. Yeah. But okay. you draw two cards and you try to make a pun. So two. let me give you an example.
1: Oh, draw two cards. As, okay. So, you draw so a pun or a joke with it, yeah, right? Yeah.
0: So we drew two cards. One of them was <gasps> poetry hmm. and uh, bathroom.
1: Ba- Oof, okay. Uh, poetry and bathroom. Yeah. Huh, so that'd be something like um uh what you know i hope there's plenty of tissues in the bathroom for when i have a haiku but like hot chew yeah but here's
0: what someone said high poo
1: High poo okay, right?
0: okay okay so that's fun or the one that i came up with is leaves of ass by <laughs> walt <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> Wait, okay okay. okay okay uh ooh, I, I don't know any poets Oh God. Um I said my favorite compendium of American poetry was Leaves of Ass by Walt <laughs> Blankman. Yes. So oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, another another example would oh, be E B wipe. Wow. Okay. <laughs> e B wipe is good. EB wipe I'm is good. I'm proud of myself so, for that one. So okay. we have like a minute to decide. So yeah. it, it's like um I was going through my mind, Dr. Seuss, Shel Silverstein. And yeah. then eventually you kind of work your way around. I thought Walt Whitman. Oh, Walt oh the And <laughs> then I came up with the second component, yeah. Leaves of Grass. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm trying to think. I forgot to bring the game down. So maybe we just each pick a word. And we need to come up with a pun with those two words. Oh,
1: boy. Okay. Okay.
0: Uh, hmm. uh, uh, shoes. Pizza. Okay. Oh, All right. Pizza and shoes Pizza pun. and shoes
1: Okay 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 uh, Wait don't, don't say yours Because you probably have yours Way before I have
0: mine Oh I'll give you one more That we did okay Okay We had uh, Pizza No 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 no. Ordering food And internet Which is already Kind of similar right Yeah But I said You'll have to check Your iPizza address da, 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 Okay yeah, right They did it <laughs> so, <laughs> Okay so pizza And shoes Pizza and right? shoes Yeah okay Um uh, it's a tough game. It is. So usually you have a minute to think of it. Okay. Well, which I we know is compelling.
1: Get... I know it's been over a minute now, but I'm gonna start the
0: I know this is compelling podcasting right here. They're this is go Harry's to... last show, though, so we are indulging ourselves. That's
1: me opening up Okay. Go. We have a minute. Okay. okay. Minute to go. Pizza and shoes. And shoes. Okay. Pizza and shoes. Okay. Hmm. Shoes. Okay. hmm. hmm. <laughs> this minute is gonna be great. We're okay, I got be... I got one in my hand. Yeah, you got anymore. one?
0: Okay. <sighs> okay. Um, as the listener is driving as, as Harry's thinking about this I will remind people that this is brought to you by DP Dough not pizza but calzones uh, yes. delicious calzones with any topping you want order online at DP Dough for all the best deals and prices 20 30 seconds left for Harry here also brought to you by State Farm agent Brian Hanson for all your auto home life and business insurance needs online at com and 4th and Kirby for all your vintage inspired online apparel visit them online at 4th and Kirby or Firth and fourthandkirby.com excuse me or at the Alana Union oh, bookstore god. that's it for the sponsors as Harry I is can't trying think to think of pizza anything, no kidding
1: <laughs> yeah this is tough oh god uh, maybe when you say yours I'll be
0: able to get mine because I have four seconds Um, geez. I have two okay, go, okay. Ahead, go ahead and say your first one see the problem with pizza when it's really hot is that the cheese is really shoestringy oh my oh wait the cheese is shoe stringy i too oh, stringy shoe stringy <laughs> oh, okay. or the other one would have been hey if you want to make sure that you got the right toppings be sure to open the rebox
1: ah uh, okay rebox okay
0: uh hmm so i went with shoe uh. brands or shoe string see mine. the <sighs> so here's the here's the trick right is you think of okay shoe parts so string converse no uh, or you think tongue, of heel, toe,
1: heel, soul, yeah, soul, and then cheese or stuffed crust or sausage That's or tough, pepperoni. Right? That is tough. My, I am disappointed in myself not being able to come up with one because I am supposed to be the pun person. What's
0: going to happen is you're going to leave. I'm going to. We're going ah! to publish this, <laughs> and then it's going to come to your mind, and then it will forever be uh, out there in the ether.
1: Yes, in the. No, <laughs> I thought I was going to make a pun out of that.
0: I can't. So what are your parting words to Alani fans um, as, kinda, as a player from back in the day as a media personality?
1: Um, I don't really have much to say as a player that I haven't already said over the last couple of years. Um, I guess it would just be, you know, it's, it's kind of similar to what um, Brightweiser said in the first podcast for the uh, for the 200 level is, um, you know, expect more. You know, if you're a fan and and you've seen this season, I'd say be encouraged with what you saw at moments. But don't take this and say that this is what you want from now on. Don't say you'll be satisfied with a six and seven year moving forward. Um, and that makes us sound entitled. But you know what? No, I, I mean, don't be satisfied with a six and seven year. Don't be sad. No matter how you get there, you know, be be um be be a fan base that wants to. Compete for the uh for the odd division title once every five years. That's not that much to ask for. There's seven teams in the Big Ten West. It let you know it's not crazy to say once every five years each team like maybe Wisconsin Iowa, Wisconsin Iowa, um, Illinois or Wisconsin Nebraska, Wisconsin Iowa Nebraska Illinois. Why not? You know, to be in there once every five years with other schools that you've shown you've been able to compete with. Um, that's for the team, you know, I, I know they can do it. I know those guys have worked their ass off this year, and I, I know what they go through every single day. So they're going to be working their ass off. And just as a fan, you know, with what you saw this year, be encouraged, but don't look at this and say, this is all I need from now on. And I, I guess that that's what I'll say for uh, for football fans or, you know, for people out there listening to what I've had to say as far as football. Uh, for basketball, um, Go shoot the
0: ball and
1: make sure it gets into the hoop. <laughs> if it doesn't get into the hoop, you're not going to win as many times.
0: Yes. Words to live by yes. for sure. But, you know, I think the mantra from the outset, you mentioned Brightwiser. He said this. Expect more. Yeah. And that, I think, is one thing I want to try to reinforce is that this is not neg- negativity or cynicism for the sake of being negative or cynical. You know me. I know you. We know Trevor. Hans D. Mr. He's actually Mr. Optimistic. Yeah. Lon, Derek, Jeremy, Austin. I, I don't think there's a cynical bone in anyone's bodies, but unfortunately with the decade that was, yeah. you're naturally going to come off sounding like that. I might come off like that a little bit more than others. I'll watch my tone. Actually, no, I won't. Well, am i am kidding? <laughs> i watch my tone. Uh, but it, it is a big loss, I think, for Alani fans that they won't get to hear Harry Black get to share, at least regularly, at least regularly.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll be back. I mean, I've already said... <laughs> If next year is what we hope it is, then we should be, um, what will we be, 6-2? and two? Go, No, no, like 8-2 and two going into the, if, the if, Ohio State game. Into the Ohio State <laughs> yeah. game. If we're 8-2, and 7-3 and three, going into the Ohio State You're flying game, in? I'll be here. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, then we will count on that. It, it Along is with possible.
1: college game day and Kirk Cur- Herbstreit. Hey. How would we not get college game? You know what would happen? We'll be 7-3 and three and Ohio State will be like 5-5. Five and five. Really? The one year where it'll be just like 2011
0: where... And they still beat us. Yeah. yeah well, I'm, I'm not
1: saying that they'll be bad because they're, they have any signs of being bad. Oh, no, I get it. Yeah. But if they had been any other year aside from the Luke Fickle year, we would have gotten game day that, that striped the stadium game. Yes, yeah, 6-0 and Illinois. And if they had just done their job as Ohio State used to do, B-6-0, Ohio State. Is that that much? (laughs) Imagine in an alternate universe, there's the Ohio State fan saying, why can't we just have a bad year once every 15 years? Is that so much to ask for? I want to be humbled, man. Yeah, come on. Give me a three and nine year. I don't want to make a bowl
0: game. We are, we've been just ugh, these expectations of making the playoff, and then we do. Uh, well, we will be in touch. Obviously, you and I and Trevor through the text thread, and then we'll see if we can't get you on speakerphone interview. Yeah, yeah We'll work on was, Skype. very well few. done. <laughs> because as, as time goes on, that is going to become a new component of the show is more regular interviews via Skype. We're going to try to coordinate that as well. But uh, for wait, this yep, run. Wait, wait, it, uh, I, it, I'm
1: going to say it, and it's awful. Okay. I'm going to say it. Uh, is this a pizza so and shoe bad. thing? Yeah. It's, oh, it's, okay. It's, it doesn't sound like it at all, but okay, it's. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, My favorite topping for pizza is anchovies. Anchovies?
3: Anchovies. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: my it's God. so bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh.
0: oh. On that note, Harry, Jesus, I think we should crust. end on a ton. I will bid you adieu. Thank you. With a say thank you to and enjoy Connecticut. Thank you. I will. Best of luck. We will be in touch. And I know the fans are going to miss you. You made an imprint. You made an impression on this community. You are hanging on the wall of Hamilton Walkers. That, yeah. For God's sake. You will still be on that wall of fame long after you leave Champaign-Urbana. But you will always. Uh, here, here's the key. I think. And we talked about this during Tane J. During Tane Carp. And even now for Speaking the two. Speaking
1: of which. Here's the key. Oh. I was going to get. because Oh. I get house key too. for yeah. dog sitting. Okay. Yeah. Oh
0: gosh, me? Rosie's going to be sad.
1: Oh, she's she's a dog. She's a, she, she is she, a dog. who's <laughs> a dog. I was trying to like do this under this but I remembered I can just kind of take the Yeah, chain okay. Off there, and, there, there we go. There we
0: go. Oh, man. Oh. So uh, but the last thought I will leave with is that you did make an impression. People will remember you and and for us, dating back to the radio show and even now for the 200 level or anything else that we do, it really is just someday in a bar somewhere or as a couple guys are having happy hour and they just say, Hey, do you remember that character, <laughs> Harry black that was on Tane J and then Tane Carpenter the made obscene songs. Right. Do you yeah. remember that, that, um, super domes ahead song <laughs> <laughs> and the other guy would be like, yeah, I kind of do. And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That was awful. Why
1: did I ever listen to
3: that? <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah, we will miss you personally. A fans that listen to the show and listen to 935 will miss you. But, um, you will still be a presence, and we'll find a way to make that happen. But best of luck, my friend. Thank you. And uh, thank you for being a f- Oh, that sounds like the thank Golden Girls song. you for being a, a friend. friend. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. We can't end on Golden no, Girls song. No, we so have do to we... end on Silver Boys. What's s- Silver Boys? It's the opposite of Golden Girls. <laughs> 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 no, but it have to be alliteration, so it needs to be the Bronze Boys. Bro- the Golden yes, Girls yes. and the s- the Bronze Boys. the The Maroon Men. What Uh, sorts of G? Because Golden Girls, something uh, guys.
1: uh, Golden Girls.
0: Golden is could either be a jewel or a color. Garnet. Garnet. Garnet Garnet guys. Yeah. No wonder that didn't. Garnet Guys. Didn't quite make it through the TV pitch meeting back in the day. Four old
1: men. One guy just comes in and says, Guys, I got an idea. Four old men. Is Garnet gold or is it red? Garnet is red. They're all wearing red. And they're just old and talking to each other about <laughs> old guy problems. Dude, that sounds like a terrible show. The Garnet, Now guys. let me he pitch you something see called Golden Girls. Oh, now that <laughs> now is that's a good actually, idea. That's cute. Okay. That's not bad. All
0: right. So, Harry, wow. Godspeed. Best of luck. We'll see you next week on the Tournament Level with Trevor Vlice. Isaac Ambrose is going to be sitting in. He's not replacing Harry. Yeah. No one can. Uh, but he, he likes basketball.
1: Well, I mean, that'll help. We kind of did joke a little bit that it does help that when I am leaving is right when the Big Ten season is starting to pick up. The timing is fortuitous. Yeah, you know, you'll you'll have uh, Isaac there, you know, trying to.
0: Although I think I
1: I was able to um, not. No, yeah, BS yes, my you way stuff. You, know, you, for you totally held your own through Basketball Guys, uh, Kofi, that's, uh, that shot he did in the, <laughs> in the final minute. Harry, Kofi wasn't on the floor in the <laughs> final minute. Yeah, that's why I said Georgie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kofi, Georgie, come on. Yeah, I mean, it, it look exactly they look exactly alike. They just the, the same. Yeah. All right, well, uh, you're, moving <laughs> yeah. All right, well uh, you're moving out when? I am moving out, what is today? Today is the 31st, <laughs> yeah, so tomorrow,
1: January we'll, uh, you know uh Second or third, they haven't told me. Driving? I am driving. Yeah, it's going to okay. be a
0: long drive. More is goodness. that about 18-20 hours?
1: 14 oh. if I take the tollways which I'm going to and then 16 if I didn't take the tollways But then my girlfriend Pointed out that Well you're probably Going to just have to Make up the difference In, in gas, gas money Totally So I'm just going to Pay for the tollways Take the toll and, Splurge Yeah I'm going to Treat myself to the tollway <laughs> My god By the way I tried to find Where to buy an easy pass I have no idea Where to buy one Oh really Yeah Okay Does, does it
0: work across Multiple states Or are you looking For Connecticut easy pass
1: Well I was looking For one that Because I think Easy pass works Across multiple states I think I pass is the one That you only can use In
0: Illinois Or the surrounding states I think that's right Yeah so so, okay.
1: I, I don't know. I could. I think the closest one I could buy will be at Jewel Osco, and that's in Bloomington.
0: To be honest, I'm just biding time so we don't have to end your run. Oh.
1: Level. All right. Well, you we have to say
0: bye to Rosie on your way out.
1: Oh, it was a dog.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Drive safe. And uh, Harry Black, I'm going to let you sign off. Leave the listeners with whatever you'd like.
3: It's the 200 level.